What is up, guys and gals? My name is Indy, and welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast, a show where two friends get together each and every week to sit in front of a microphone and create good, wholesome, kid-tested, family-approved content for you and your whole family. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There you can tell us how much you like us and how much you would not want us to change anything about our show. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a special treat this week because for the first time ever, it's the Indy and Jacques Show. That's right, we tied up Mike and told him we're the captain now. That being said, Jacques, what's up, buddy? Thanks for coming on with me. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to do this with you. Uh, it's We have never actually talked before. This is the first time we've met. It's a rare gem for you people. An introduction of friends. Wholesome. That's totally not true. We we talk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if you've listened to the show before, you know that. We we play uh, Halo and shit together, so yeah. That being said, we've already got the social media shit out of the way. The intro is done. So we're just going to jump straight into what we've been playing, because the Game Awards were this week, so we have a ton of stuff to go over. I'm going to go ahead and I'll kick things off. It's probably no surprise to those that know me. Uh, Halo has pretty much soaked up all of my gaming activities, so it is literally the only game that I have played in probably the past two weeks. That being said, uh, the campaign is different. Um, Jacques, I know you're still waiting to jump into it, because you, uh, you have something coming in the mail, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. That's That's a good segue. <laughs> so I am going to be the proud owner of an Xbox Series X that coming. Awesome. Well, actually, by the time this releases, I should already have it in my possession. Hopefully, but, um, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> if they <laughs> fuck this up, I am going to be royally pissed. Because uh, you know, honestly, I didn't even think that I was going to get this. I pretty much had given up on the search because I was so exhausted from trying to get a PS5 and. It just, you know, so what happened is I was just, I was uploading the podcast. I was busy doing the timestamps like normal. And then all of a sudden our friend Jason messages me and he's like, hey, uh, Best Buy just did a restock. And I was like, what? And I, I, I was like, fuck the podcast. Like, <laughs> Who gives a shit about this? <laughs> so I uh, immediately went on Best Buy's app and sure enough, it uh it was on there so i it was it said add to cart i added it to cart and at first it uh did, something went wrong cuz something always has to go wrong right so i went ahead and like reloaded the page and i it still showed up as it was in my cart so i was like oh that's a good sign so i clicked on my cart went in there it said proceed to checkout I hit proceed to checkout, and now they have all these new steps added because of scalpers where you have to confirm your email. You, you get like a, a, a code sent to you. You have to put that in. You have to do all this extra shit Holy before you can shit. check out. Yeah. So I was like shaking because I had so much <laughs> adrenaline running through me because I wanted this thing so bad. But yeah, it finally went through, man. I'm, I got an Xbox Series X finally, so I have both systems now. I'm extremely lucky. So what do you think was harder to get? Was uh, the PS5 initially harder or getting an Xbox Series X right now? Oh, I mean, I would say the PS5 was probably harder 
Because that, that was a trip. That I went through so many channels, Mike as well. <laughs> it, I just happened to get lucky with mine because I was up one night when they did a drop on the Amazon, so I was right on it. And this one, like, I was right on it again. Like, that is the key. You have to be very quick. And you have, <laughs> you to, have be, to be on standby. You really do. So, yeah, but th- this one's pretty tough too i mean there either system is going to be tough these days there's really no signs of that letting up unfortunately i do love the fact that they've got systems in place to stop scalpers now that's awesome that was through uh best buy right yeah best buy i found is the best place to get it i think right now or at least one of the best places i've had nothing but good encounters with them i've I've actually gotten two ps5s from there because one i got for our friend george and uh he, he had like paid me back for it so and then now I got the Xbox Series X. So I'm like, uh, dude, I'm pretty successful with these things, actually. It's so crazy because I know so many people that have almost had to like, I want to say clan up to get each other's system. So it's right. almost like everybody's like, all right, it's available now. I'm off today. I'll buy it. You guys pay me back. Like everybody has a team ready. You kind of have to. You have to team up to increase your odds. Everybody should be following accounts on Twitter that like tell you when drops are happening. That's probably the best way to find out. My, uh, my brother-in-law recommended an app to me called hot stock. Um, essentially you can put a skew in and it'll just kind of, it's, it's like, it's on alerts for, um, just about every retailer out there. And as soon as something comes in stock, it gives you a notification saying, Hey, uh, the PS five is in stock at Best Buy. Uh, if you want one now, it's time to go get it. And uh, that's how he was able to get his. And for a while, I was tracking it. But like you, I mean, eventually you just get tired of it. It's like, I'm just going to wait until it becomes available. So I ended up taking the money I had saved up for that. And I uh, I got a PC. So <laughs> PC master race. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but as you guys know, I've been struggling with Internet. So even though it can run the game, trying to get Internet to the other side of my house has been a... Uh, a fun hurdle to overcome. There's always a problem. You solve one and there's another one. Exactly. That's the curse of being a techie. So Halo. Yeah, played Halo. Um, you missed out on last night. I will say this much. Uh, me, Ash, uh, Mike, and Jason played for a while. And then Ash and Jason got off. And then it was just me and Mike. And I, I've never been manhandled in such a way like me and Mike, it was almost like we were teenagers again, because you know how you sometimes just do that whole, all right, I'm not losing on that one. One more game. Oh yeah. That happened for the first time in probably a couple of years for me. Cause typically I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to bed guys. We got so pissed off because me and Mike aren't bad players, but we got decimated. Like, when it got to just me and him, just about everybody we faced had an eSports skin. Um, the last <laughs> team we faced, I think the entire team had a Cloud9 skin on. And we were loading in, and we saw they're like, we're about to get fucked. <laughs> they're like, oh, damn, they mean business. And it was oddball. So it's just we we already knew what was about to happen. Well, and that's crazy, because you and Mike are both, I would say, good shooters or good players at shooters. I would even say Mike is like an excellent he player. is he's very very good and i mean we i would like to say we held our own like we definitely took down more of them than they got me and him but the randoms we got paired up with just 
whatever, for whatever reason would not coordinate with me and Mike. So typically the randoms would run in, die immediately, and then it's me and Mike against four of them, and we usually take it down to three of them, but because it's oddball, all they need is that last player to pick up the ball, and that's what happened. We just we never got to touch it. Damn. But that's the multiplayer. Um, I will say, the campaign um, has been a lot of fun. I've, I've only gotten to play... The day it came out, and I had actually planned to play it for the majority of that day. Like, I wanted to get, like, a solid six hours on the first day. But here's this cool thing about being an adult. When you plan to play video games all day, it um, just doesn't happen. <laughs> Me and Ash decided uh, it's time to put up Christmas stuff, so I went and got the tree out of the garage. And it's one of those, like pre-lit trees well the top tier of lights just didn't work so we're like you know what screw it let's actually go get a real tree so we wouldn't got a real tree by the time we got set up it was like four o'clock in the afternoon i'm like all right i'm done for now i've got to play this game this is the one thing i wanted to do today i just want to say i don't mean to cut in but like real trees are a fucking bitch there's just needles everywhere. They're heavy. They die. <laughs> well, I will say this one isn't too bad. It's like a little five foot ten tree. We didn't get a huge one. Um, so as far as getting it into the house, I was able just to pick it up with just one arm and just manhandle this thing up the stairs. Yeah, that's not too bad. No, because we definitely did not want a big tree for that exact reason. Um, extremely sappy, though. So mm, it was yeah. by the time the tree was done and I wanted to sit down and play games, it was like trying to, it was like I've been playing with maple syrup for hours. <laughs> I just helped my mom put up uh, decorations today too. So that's kind of funny. It's fun. I, I enjoy it. Oh yeah. It's really nice. Um, and I know, uh, I posted my favorite ornament, uh, on Facebook. It's the super Nintendo. And when you hit the power button, it actually plays a, um, a bunch of sound effects and the opening song to Super Mario World. So it's officially my favorite ornament on my tree this year. I saw you post that and I absolutely fell in love with it. That is just the coolest ornament ever. The perfect thing is my mom got me an, an ornament just like it last year for Christmas and it's the original NES and it does the exact same thing but for the original Mario. Oh, nice. So now I have the NES and Super Nintendo on my tree. So if next year Hallmark releases an N64, they <laughs> will have started a pattern for me. So I'm going to have to buy it. They, I hope they have every system out there. Just collect them all, you know? And even like maybe like get some uh, PlayStations in there, the, the old ch uh, startup chime, you know? That would be awesome. All I know is that if Nintendo does release a uh, Nintendo GameCube ornament, and if I hit that button and it doesn't start playing the theme to Super Smash Brothers Melee, I'm going to write an angry letter. And I mean, I'm <laughs> actually going to sit down and write a letter and mail it to whom it may concern. <laughs> it, uh, mail it to... Uh, um, oh my god, why am I blinking on fucking the, the, the godfather <laughs> of Nintendo's name? What is wrong with me? Uh, oh shit. For some reason, I wanted to say Miyazaki. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no, Miyamoto, thank you. Miyazaki's from software. What, what the hell is wrong with me? I was about to say, where are you going with that? Um, wow, we got way off track. Halo campaign. Yes, <laughs> focus. We, we are both like ADD, so it's we you know. really are. So, Mike, have fun editing this. Um, whenever we untie you. 
Oh, I, I'm doing the timestamps. That's going to be really fun. Oh, God. So, really, it's just self-sabotage for you. Oh, yeah, which is right up my alley, so... <laughs> yeah, but continue. Hey, Halo campaign. Uh, I will say this is the most fun that I've had with a Halo campaign ever since 343 got a hold of it. It gives me ODST vibes because of the open world, but... The whole game looks like the first Halo, so it's just like pure nostalgia going down any Forerunner hallway. It almost looks like Combat Evolved remade, not remastered. The guns feel great. Um, There's a lot of Easter eggs. I did the first mission, got turned loose into the open world, and I swear I found every every hidden secret, every side mission, every assassination mission in the opening area before I ever even went to the second part. And then it was like 10 o'clock at night before I realized, oh shit, I'm supposed to be doing a review. I might need to finish the story. So I started (laughs) forcing myself to move forward. So there's a lot of like activities and stuff to do. Yeah. So, um, there's main story missions, which are kind of highlighted for you, but there's a lot of, um, FOBs, um, or forward operating bases for the, the banished, and if you take those areas, they're almost kind of like uh, checkpoints for you, because if you capture an FOB, you can call in vehicles. Uh, I want to say every FOB will unlock a different vehicle for you. Um, so at this point, I have the Razorback, which is the Warthog without the gun, where you can haul up to five different Marines. I think it's five. Yeah, it's five. Um, I got a regular Warthog, uh, a Mongoose, And then you can also unlock different weapons because there's also going to be groups of Marines that you need to rescue throughout the open world. And I will say this, I'm playing on Heroic. Mike is playing it on Legendary. I, I'm not going to lie, I may have been a little mad at Mike when we started talking because I was struggling on Heroic because the AI is like, it's incredibly harsh. Like, they will beat you into submission and then make you say thank you. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like sitting there playing I'm texting you guys and then out of nowhere Mike's like this game's a lot easier and legendary than I remember I'm like fuck you mister I'm so great <laughs> what didn't you beat it like two weeks ago yeah like I said though Mike is a really skilled player at shooters like that's that's probably his genre that he's most proficient at and right? he, he always plays games first playthrough he always plays on the hardest difficulty so don't feel bad because I play on normal for everything. So you're you're ahead of me. Well, you see, I I debated because I mean I'm I've definitely a Halo kid, um, which is why I love the fact that it's coming back and this is supposed to be like a spiritual reboot from what I understand. This supposedly takes place seven years after Halo Five, so I found that out today, and I was I instantly was kind of angered by that and like you mean we had a seven year jump from when Cortana set off to go conquer the galaxy to now we're starting off and was supposedly things have been dealt with and we're just starting a whole new storyline one of my frustrations by the way but I'll get into that later once people have had more time to play it the one thing I don't really like is that I know that you and Mike had mentioned that, like, you know how Spider-Man has no story missions for the Avengers DLC? Yeah, I was pretty disappointed about that. 
yeah, supposedly everything is told through audio logs. Um, this seems pretty similar as far as filling in some of the gaps of what happened, because you find audio logs that explains, or it's like little snippets of what happens to the Infinity, what happens to a character that pops up at the very beginning of the game. Um, so it's, there's a lot of jumping around as far as getting the full story, which is cool on some games. Like, I mean, me, I'm a huge from soft guy. So bloodborne, that's how you get your entire lore is just descriptions from items and clothing and things like that. And you piece this story together yourselves. Halo, I don't think should ever be one of those games. And this is one of the things that I've loved and hate about Halo at the same time. I love reading the Halo books and getting more lore, but I don't think at any point you should make that necessary to understand what's happening from game to game. And it seems like they've taken that and it's like, hey, so instead of doing books that explain what happens between game and game, let's give them like one minute long audio logs and let's just scatter them everywhere. Because when you bring up the map, um, you can see armor lockers that give you different cosmetics for multiplayer. You can find Spartan cores, which give you upgrades. Like when you capture an FOB, you kind of get a circumference around you showing where things are within a certain radius, but the audio logs you don't get. So you literally just have to keep your eye or your, not your eyes, your ears open for um, chimes and beeping. And that's how you know that something is nearby. So you really have to, just look for these things in order to get the full story. So that's a little frustrating. Um, but I will say the game is fun to play. It is a blast. You can't run into a group of enemies thinking, you know, you're master chief. You're just going to blow everybody away. Cause I have a problem with that. Um, <laughs> Cause I've done that just about every halo game. I just jump into the fray and assume I'm going to just kill everybody. <laughs> that mentality is going to kill you in this game. So don't do that. Actually come up with a plan. I almost want to say it gives me Phantom Pain vibes, like where you would see a base and you almost have to plan how you're going to go in. I never played Phantom Pain, but it is downloaded. It's one of those games I always meant to get to, but just never did. So I never beat it because, I mean, as people know, I have very bad ADD when it comes to games. I start it, I get my experience, I have my fun with it, and then I'm off to the next thing. I do this with hobbies too, in case anybody was wondering. I hyperfixate on the next thing. But I would definitely say download Phantom Pain and just play at least a couple hours. It's fun. Um, and it also, once you start experiencing that game, you'll want parts of that game in other games. Like I saw recently that the, the supposedly the new Splinter Cell is going to be open world. If it's anything less than Phantom Pain as far as what you can do, I will be disappointed. As far as the audio logs, I just have like one question though. Can you roam around after you hit play or do you have to stay in the immediate vicinity? Okay, thank God. So when you hit play, um, even if you hit play, go to the map, um, it'll still play. But now one thing that is frustrating is that if you do get an audio log and let's say you die while that audio log is playing, it will not reload and let you listen to that audio log. Ooh, that's not good. Especially when there's, like, so much important lore and story on them. Yes. Um, So, my recommendation, if you find an audio log, make sure the area is clear, don't move, listen to it. Because it also does do a cool thing to where it kind of mutes 
the environment around you so that way you can really hear what the audio log is saying. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I've gotten to a point where if I find one, I just I hit play and I usually pull up the map and just start looking around. That's another thing. Do not pull up the map while you're in combat or enemies are around because I found out the hard way that the game does not stop. So I pulled I pulled up the map uh, looking for something and apparently a patrol came by because all of a sudden um, my controller started vibrating and I put the map away and there was like four brutes looking at me and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so that didn't go very well for me. You know, I heard a theory about why that is. I think it's because they designed this to have co-op. Well, obviously it is going to have co-op campaign coming later, <laughs> much to the chagrin of most Halo <laughs> fans. Uh, but so, you know, obviously you're not going to, when you pause the game, it's not going to pause for other people. Right. So that is probably why that is like that. It's funny. I keep, I've been thinking mentally is like, all right, I think we're going to cut it short or stop there. And we're going to discuss the rest of it in my, uh, uh, review later, but then I just think of another thing where you bring up an interesting point. Um, I hate that co-op and other features are missing from this game. I don't quite understand it, especially when even basic things from the multiplayer are missing. Now, I was about to bitch really hard about there not being a dedicated Slayer um, playlist, but 343 apparently listens to us and they know we're going to bitch because we are amazing bitchers and nobody can tell me otherwise because they cut us off and they posted uh, last night that I think tomorrow, no, I'm sorry, two days from now, we will have dedicated playlists for SWAT, Fiesta, and um, Slayer. And I think there was another one, but I don't have my phone in front of me. Yeah, I, I was very happy to see that announcement. Yes. Especially when me and Mike were playing oddball like five times in a row and got destroyed <laughs> five times in a row. Yeah, it gets to be a little repetitive. Yeah, especially when you have a challenge that says, you know, win three capture the flag matches. That'd be great if I could only get a capture the flag match. But I'm going to end my rant there. Um, I will be posting a full review at some point this week, hopefully by Tuesday, because I'm off the next two days. So hopefully my adult life doesn't get too much in the way. Now I actually have time to beat the campaign. So on that, go ahead. Yeah, I just sorry to cut in. Just one last thing, because when you were talking earlier about FOB, FOB's forward operating bases, I was like, man, that sounds an awful lot like Ubisoft Towers. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, see, this is what I'm talking about. We We go right back. You guys can have this one for free. There is a tower. There is a skull at the top of the tower. So get very, very crafty with your grapple hook. And mm. you have to actually get to the very, very top. And I think it's the I would have been your daddy skull. You're welcome. That sounds fun. I love like trying to get to the tops of mountains in games. Like um, Death Stranding. Did you play Death Stranding? I did. Okay. That's another one of those that I experienced put like maybe five hours into and it's like okay this was fun you know what though i mean not to go off on a tangent but i kind of am because hey let's just accept that we both have short attention spans and this is going to be all over the place but yeah dude the the death stranding man trying to climb up mountains that aren't meant to be climbed is 
an experience because of the mechanics. Yeah, I, I just would say go play that game. But I'll say the first like three hours are the weakest in that game. So if you did not make it to chapter three or whatever, I don't know if it's called chapters, but I would say at least make it to that where it opens up more before you give up on the game. Because that's, I did not like the game the first few hours and then it opened up and I was like, oh my God, I love this game now. Okay, so we can, I guess we can finally move on now, right? <laughs> yes. So Jacques, what have you been playing? Uh, so I haven't really played much this week. The only thing I have played is the Matrix Unreal Engine 5 demo. And uh, boy, oh boy, Indy, this is super cool. It's basically a tech demo, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a tech demo, but it's a lot more than I thought we were going to get. It opens up, and it's it's basically recreating parts of the Matrix movie. It's it's okay. like the one where it's like, I don't know if, I can't remember if it's the opening scene. I just watched this not too long ago, so I should remember, but I don't. Um, but it's like where Neo is in his apartment, he's like sleeping, and he gets the message, you know, wake up on the computer. Yeah, that. so it's, but it's all in Unreal 5, but it looks so real. And then they go into um, this little like introduction video with Keanu Reeves and it's it's you know that scene in the matrix where it's like uh you know um Morpheus is first taking Neo into the matrix and explaining how shit oh, works yeah. and he like brings up the like rack of guns and it's like yeah so it's sort of like that where he's walking in this white space and he's kind of explaining like you know what is real and what is not how can you tell the difference and i'm pretty sure that it's actually Keanu Reeves and that at that point but the fact that it's so hard to tell I was about to say, the fact that you're questioning it. So if you do look real closely, you can see the seams slightly, but you have to look really hard because then it makes a switch and it's it's Unreal 5 Keanu, but it's the same scene. And so he walks over to a mirror and then he's like talking to the real Keanu Reeves in the mirror and they just do this like cool introduction and like Carrie Ann Moss is like in it and she's it's but it's the Unreal 5 version of Carrie Ann Moss and it looks ridiculous. And they recreate, like, the bullet time, like, you know, bending backwards scene in Unreal 5. And then it finally opens up uh, into, like, the game. And it's it goes into this, um, it's their cut scenes. So it's like Neo and Trinity in a car. But, my God, man, I, I just want to say we are so close to photorealism. Like, we're almost there with Unreal 5. It is unbelievable. This is probably the most impressive thing I think I've ever seen graphically. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's, uh, so so you're in this car, and then there's, like, this this rookie in the backseat. I guess the whole premise is, like, you're teaching this rookie, like, what the Matrix is and all that stuff. So, But you're okay. playing as, like, this this rookie character, so it's, it's a pretty cool setup, so... So then you do the section where it's, you remember that like from Matrix Reloaded, the highway scene where it's like, yes. the, the, yeah, okay, the fucking amazing scene. It's like my favorite scene in the whole trilogy. Yes, dude, I love it. It's basically this, like Trinity is your driver she, and you're being chased by a bunch of agents that are taking over people in cars and it becomes like an on-rail shooter where you're shooting out the back window with the guns and it is just... I can't even do it justice how fucking cool it is, man. <laughs> I was just said to myself as I'm playing, I'm just like, wow, this is so fucking cool. 
So, and then it, after you get, you know, it goes through just these super impressive, like, uh, the blending of, like, cutscenes and, like, gameplay. And, you know, it just really shows the potential of where this stuff is going to go in the coming years. I think by the end of the generation, we are just going to get some absolutely mind-blowing games. Because video game development is just becoming more accessible for like independent developers now too with and I think Unreal 5 is just going to continue to to add to that and uh so so then after that ends th- this is what the surprising part is is it actually opens up and you get to play in like an open world like a GTA type thing oh shit yeah i mean it's very like there's not a lot to do like they do have these markers throughout it's it's basically a giant city that is like 16 square kilometers. And it's like, I think there's like 7,000 buildings or something. And they give you this these options in the menu where you can switch back and forth between just the regular view. And then you can go to like the, the nanite view, which it's almost like a predator vision type thing where it comes down and you can see all the like nanites, like, you know, behind oh. the curtain of the engine. And they do all these things with like lighting and stuff. You can change the lighting. So they're just, it is a tech demo. They're just showing off all I can do. Yeah, as I say, it's like a Unreal Engine, like almost like a demo for Unreal Engine 5, basically. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's, it's so brilliant to the marriage of the Matrix and Unreal 5 because, like I was saying in the beginning, it's all about like what is real and what is not, like the blending of that. And it's like the perfect world to pair it with. Exactly. So, and then, so you can detach the camera and fly up and just go throughout the city, like almost like a photo mode. And you can just go to the top of buildings. And so I was just having fun, just like exploring, just seeing like, you know, checking out the lighting and like going really close up onto objects and seeing like how good the textures look. And like, the lighting is just fucking insane, man. I, I just cannot even believe the lighting. Everything looks so photorealistic. And it's like, I would say the only thing is that I didn't like is it's, it's probably sub 30 frames per second. Oh, okay. Probably in order to get that fidelity, they had to do that probably. So that's going to be one thing I'm going to be curious going forward in the years to come, if they're able to achieve 60 frames per second with that fidelity, if they can do that, that, oh my God. That's one of the things I was going to ask you, because I mean... What you're describing sounds absolutely amazing, but I'm trying to imagine a console doing it. And I was just wondering, did your fans sound like jet turbines with that going on? But if <laughs> no. it's coming below 30, then probably not. Yeah, I mean, but no, yeah. I mean, these, these you know, the PS5 is what I played it on. And the, these consoles are pretty fucking powerful, man. I, I'm just super impressed. I, this just gets me really excited for the future. There's so much potential there. That is awesome. So, um, with that, now we're going to move on to the uh, big bulk of our show, because, um, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. We'll kick things off with the actual awards themselves. So, best indie game went to, I think it was called Kana, or Kana, or Kana, Bridge of Spirits? Kana. It was a Kana? Okay, thank you. Did you get to play that game at all? Were you familiar with it at all before the, uh, the game awards? Yeah, I have not played it yet, but I really want to. So I saw it was on sale recently, so I'm debating if I should just get it. But it feels like it's going to be a PlayStation Plus game in the future, like in next year. I don't know what it is. 
But but also I'm like you know I kind of want to support the developers too and just hearing so much yeah. about it and like I I don't know I I have to decide if I want to buy it or not but I, I definitely am interested in this and based on all the the feedback I've heard from it it seems like this is probably a well deserved win for them. Yeah, it looked pretty cool, especially uh just I saw it was sprite based, which I mean that always gets me excited. I don't play a lot of sprite based games, but anytime I see one win an award, I just it I'm just instantly filled with nostalgia because it almost feels like I'm an adult in the nineties watching some of the games that I would have grown up with winning awards. Mm-hmm. It also just makes me feel like Nintendo is a glorified indie developer at this point because they put out just these top of the line indie games or things that feel like they would be indie games. Well, this isn't Nintendo. Well, I, I know that, but it's just okay. when I think sprites, I'm thinking like Final Fantasy VI on the NS, or SNES, uh, Super Mario World, Mega Man, stuff like that. So yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's always cool to see those win. Kana just looks like straight up a Pixar movie. It, it's fucking gorgeous. So uh, the next award, and by the way, these are kind of in order of how they did the awards, because I was taking notes as this all rolled out. Uh, me and Ash were extremely happy with this one. It was the best performance award, and it went out to our lady Maggie Robertson, which everybody that has listened to this show from the beginning knows that all three of us are extremely in love with Lady D. Oh, yes. I, I have a huge crush on her. And, you know, after playing Resident Evil Village, I've been following Maggie Robertson on social media and really all those all those guys like uh, Nicole Tompkins, who voiced Jill Valentine. Yeah, she, she, I, I'm really happy that she won this. Uh, I, and good God, man, did you? I don't want to get creepy, but holy fucking Shit, she was looking like a, not just a snack, but like a five-course meal. Good God. And uh, I'm not going to lie, with who was up there next to her, she um, definitely resembled the size of Lady D. She towered over everybody. Oh, yeah. She is really tall. She's like over six feet in real life. She's That's why it's so funny. Like I think they purposely cast her because they wanted someone who was taller than all everybody else. And this is probably uh, something people don't know. Uh, for my birthday last year, uh, my wife, Ashley, actually got me a um, a portrait of Lady D, which oh. proudly hangs on the left side of my wall right next to all my computers. So I'm never alone. Nice. Well, what does it look like? She's in a very provocative pose ah. um, as she is kind of looking at me very seductively. I'll send you a picture of it later. Yeah, definitely do that. Actually, you know what? Um, on Thursday, when this show airs, I will post a picture of it um, on our social media so people have some context as to what I'm talking about, and maybe I'll sound a little less creepy. Probably not, but yeah, that's I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, it's a shame Mike isn't here for this next award, because he's probably the only one that can talk about it. The award for best action went to Returnal. Yeah, I was happy about this. I was hoping Returnal would get something, and it seems like action game is the the right award for this one. I would say so. Um, anytime I see gameplay of it, it just looks like pure fucking chaos. And I don't, I don't know why, but whenever I see it, I instantly am reminded of Geometry Wars. Um, back on the 360, just with all the lights and everything, it's just, oh, yeah. for some reason, it brings those vibes back. 
this is like uh this is like ray tracing the game or like particle effects the game <laughs> pretty much this is one of those games also that like with Kana that I want to play and I think it actually might be on sale so I I'm on the fence of whether I should get it or wait because right. I also feel like this might be a plus game next year it's honestly what I'm hoping for so I mean at this point you know I mean I'm still waiting to get my PS5 it's it's going to happen but I just I need them to become more available. Like I I actually considered getting a second PS4 uh, for Ashley for Christmas because there's a couple games we want to co-op that are PlayStation exclusives. Uh, you can't even find those anymore, by the way. They're like three hundred, four hundred dollars. So I'm like, if that's the case, I'm just gonna wait for a PS5, uh, and then I'm right back to oh, I can't find one of those either. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so crazy how like the last gen consoles uh value went up because the new ones are so hard to find like people are going back and getting old ones. It's insane. So do do you not have a PlayStation? No, you have a PlayStation. Yeah, I've got a PS4. So you just meant you were going to get a second one. Yeah, there's one game in particular um that I'm going to bring up later in the show that me and Ash definitely want to play. Um and I'm sure me, you, Mike and Ash will end up playing the sequel um whenever it comes out cuz it's right up all of our alleys and it'll be fun to co-op. But I'll get into that later. I'm hoping by the time that PS5s become regularly available, it will have been on PlayStation Plus because I still log into my PlayStation Plus on my uh, phone or on my PC. Um, and for those that don't know, and you're thinking about getting one and you have PlayStation Plus, every month, go ahead, log on, claim your free PS5 uh, game for the month. So that way, by the time the system comes out, you've already got a catalog waiting for you. Yeah, smart man. I, I just talked about that last week, too, in my solo episode. I, I told people to add the VR games, even if you don't have it. Yeah, which those are some good VR games, too. I actually uh, started playing Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, um, not this week, but the week prior. Maybe it was two weeks prior. I don't know. My weeks and months are blending together. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, they're very solid. Uh, if you've never played VR before... Definitely pick those titles up. I don't know about the rhythm-based sword dueling game. I forget that. I think it's uh, something Fall. Oh, Until You Fall. That one. Uh, I haven't tried out that one. The other two, though, are... If you like horror or anything like that, get those games. They're amazing. But moving on to the next award, Player's Voice Awards. This one made me laugh a little bit. Because it was Halo... And it's funny to see Halo win an award when the campaign and its official release was the day prior to the Game Awards. Yeah, it technically missed the cutoff for the campaign, the full release, but the multiplayer was out before that. Yeah, this this was funny. I was watching this, the voting online, like leading up to this, and it kept going back and forth because at one point, It Takes Two was in the lead. I think at another point, like Village was in the lead. But yeah, Halo finally... Took it. I think this is funny because this is like such recency bias. I'm not saying it doesn't deserve it because obviously, you know, the people voted the fans. So clearly it's it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I just find that funny. It's like how, how it just came out. It's like, oh, nope, that's our favorite game of the year. <laughs> because, you know, we, we mention this on the show occasionally, um, especially with Nintendo, where some games just, you know, they get free passes or they automatic just get good reviews because of their history. 
which is why we refuse to take it easy on Nintendo. But the fact that Halo won an award because it's Halo is just kind of like this is the fanboy award. That that's what that oh, is. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I've announced, I'm a huge Halo fanboy. I've read, oh god, I don't want to count how many Halo books I've written or read because I'm gonna go back to middle school. <laughs> I've only read two. I read The Fall of Reach and Ghost of Onyx, which I enjoyed very much. Ghost of Onyx was really good. Um. There was actually, I think, three more books after that one that tied... No, I'm sorry. There was two more books after that one. You know what? No, I said I wasn't going to go into that. <laughs> That'll be a topic for like another time, the, all the Halo books. Right. When, I, when we do a dedicated Halo show, I will nerd out and nerdgasm all over this podcast about Halo. So yeah, that's the Fanboy Award. The next one was Best RPG. Uh, went to Tales of Arise. Um, I know you and Mike are not big JRPG fans. I haven't played many of them. I appreciate them for what they are. I've played a couple. I watched my sister play one of the Tales games. Um, I think it was one that was originally on GameCube, got re-released for the 360. Um, the art's really pretty. Um, I will say that for JRPGs, they usually are, but unfortunately nobody on this show is qualified to go over that. So, um, good for those developers. Just from what I've heard though, it seems like, like fans of the series are really, really digging this one though. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, best score went to Nier Replicant. Um, I haven't played any of the Nier games. I don't know if you have. I, I have not played any of them either, but I did hear this score was, it was a banger, so... Nice. But the, this category, though, man, like, the, there was so many good nominees. Like, I was kind of surprised um, Guardians of the Galaxy didn't win it, having just played that. And because uh, that was like all licensed music and it was just mostly 80s music. So maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe. Because I almost feel like there's, well, there is a difference between a soundtrack and a score. I mean, determining those two, I'll, I'll accept that. I mean, Honestly, at this point in the year, I would probably give it to Resident Evil or Halo, um, which I'm also not somebody who's going to disqualify a game just because it's a re-release or a remaster of games. So on that note, best score would go to Mass Effect. (laughs) (laughs) But we've already established that we're going to have our game awards um, on January, so... We'll discuss all that at that point. Yeah, that that's fair, though. I'll go ahead and uh, second that. <laughs> so be prepared for our own rules when that time comes. And for, um, we already know Liara is just going to win some award because Mike's going to invent an award for her to win. Yes. Uh, <laughs> best blue alien I'd like to fuck. Liara. <laughs> I was drinking my Powerade, and you really almost made me spit all over my screen right there. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, this is one of your games. Uh, best multiplayer, It Takes Two. Yes. Okay, yeah, we will get to It Takes Two more later on, but yes, this. Uh, I, I'm glad. I thought it was a little bit weird that this was in multiplayer, since, I mean, technically it's multiplayer, See, I don't know how you feel, but like, I kind of think co-op and multiplayer are slightly different. 
Like, like co-op still falls under multiplayer, but it's like, for me, co-op is just two players. I agree. Like, when I think multiplayer, I'm thinking, like, Halo or um, some... So maybe it just needs to be, um, like, co-op versus competitive multiplayer. Like, those need to be two different categories. But I also understand the award, because at its core, It Takes Two is a technically multiplayer game. So it does make sense. Yeah, it is technically, sure. But yeah, I mean, if somebody says, hey, can you think of any good multiplayer games? That is not a game that comes to mind. I immediately start thinking, you know, like Titanfall, Halo, Apex, things like that. Yeah, you're right. I I will save my nerding out about It Takes Two till later on. Yes, because we have a much better award for it uh, later down the line. Best mobile game, uh, Genshin Impact, which I see everywhere, and have not played, probably will never play. I don't know about you. No, I literally have, I've heard of Genshin Impact. That's about it. I, is it one of those gotcha games? I think so. I mean, it's definitely a JRPG. I I don't know. It's kind of got its unique personality and those that have played it, I'm sure are just like screaming at us right now. So I'm just going to make you scream even louder and say what I think it looks like. Um, to me, it looks like, uh, Nino Kuni meets Breath of the Wild. Okay. I, I, I know what Breath of the Wild is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zelda Jacques. Yeah, you could literally, no, but I'm saying that's like literally the only thing that I know. I, I've heard of Nino Kuni as well, but for all these JRPGs, you could literally tell me anything. I'd be like, yep. Okay. I believe you. So here's the only reason that I played Nino Kuni. It's because it was, uh, all the art was done by Studio Ghibli. Me and Ash love those movies. And the cutscenes were all hand-drawn as if it was one of those movies. So that, seeing that, I I had to try it out. Um, and then Nino Kuni 2 apparently had nothing to do with it, and they changed the whole story. It's like, okay, cool, not gonna play it, thanks. Uh, you know, um, Indy, I might, you might have to revoke my, like, whatever nerd card, but I've never seen a Studio Ghibli movie. I don't think I have to revoke your nerd card for that. I mean, we definitely <laughs> know that you and Mike are not anime or JRPG guys. So that's, that's fine. You can keep your nerd card. All, all my Japanese influences, like I've said before, come from the horror genre. Now, if you want to talk about J-Horror, I'll go on forever. I was about to say, and that is why you keep your nerd card, because that is a niche uh, nerd section of which you are fully entitled to have. And I know a decent amount about Japanese wrestling, too, because I was super into pro wrestling, and I love Japanese wrestling. Did not know that about you. Yeah. Of course, I didn't know anything about you, because this is the first time we met. Yeah, you're right. First, we we didn't know each other prior to this recording. <laughs> right. If y'all can't tell, we just have natural chemistry, apparently. Yeah, we really do. We're just that damn good. Or we used to have that bad of attention uh, deficit disorder, because as y'all, as y'all can tell, this is a much less organized show than when Mike's on, because we are all over the fucking place. That That's the thing, like, I've learned about um, ADD, is it... it it kind of makes you sound like you're more interesting and funny than you actually are. Cause they're like, Oh, he's, he's kooky. He's like energetic. It's like, no, I'm just losing my train of thought every five seconds. Not that we're saying that you're not energetic or fun to talk to Mike. We're not saying that 
Um, we're just saying we're more fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's going to edit that part out. He probably will. And then I'm going to just go back and put it in like our Instagram thing. Cause I have, um, admin to that. So he can't hide everything. You're like, I've got the receipts, <laughs> right? I've got the receipts. I have the original recording. I will post this as deleted content. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to our uh, our next title. You and I have both played this one, but I know you've got a lot more time in it than I do. Um, best narrative went to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, there was a lot of good nominees in this category. Like, I think Psychonauts 2 was one of them. That was an excellent narrative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Guardians totally deserves it, man. It, this was such a shocker for me, and I talked about it like a couple episodes ago. Yeah, the narrative is just it was way more mature than I than I expected cuz when you think of Guardians you're just like, oh, it's like a reverent, you know, which which it definitely was that. You know, it, it takes a lot of inspiration from the movies. But it, I I believe I think this was actually for me a better narrative than the movies. I would agree. Um but it also might be because um you and I know a bit more about the comic side of Guardians. For those of you that don't know, Peter Quill did not become a Guardian till way, way later in the storyline. So, I mean, there's a lot of Easter eggs. Like, if you're if you are a comic buff, and if for whatever reason you don't like the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy, check this out if you're a purist, because you might like it a little bit more. There's a few scenes in this game that I legit got a little teary-eyed. Like, there's one probably more towards the end, but with Drax and, and it is just, it is really heartfelt. I was like, wow, like a Drax scene that is like super emotional and like has payoff. And, um, and then there's, uh, there's another one too. And I'm, I'm blinking, but yeah, this Drax one like really stood out to me. Cause I was like, they're, they're, they did not have to do it, go this deep. And I think, uh, that when they, the people came up to accept the award for this, like the, I don't know what her title was. I don't know if she was the director or what, but she's basically saying like that was her mandate to the team. Like just keep going deeper, like keep digging deeper emotionally. Yeah. And I think that was like, that was such a smart choice. I thought it was cool. And at the same time, um, I have one of those bosses, so I'm not going to name names, but when she came up and she said, that, I was like, Oh, you're that person. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shouldn't mention that when I have an interview coming up in a couple of days, but they're not going to listen to this, so fuck it. Uh, yeah, and we we can just delete the podcast if it ever ever arises. Say so. Uh, we heard boundless gamers. Nope, never existed. Not affiliated. Donors talking about. <laughs> what are you talking about? Boundless gamers. I've never heard of that. Did I mention I have a twin? Uh, he does that. <laughs> His name is Nindy. <laughs> it, right. It's not Indy. I don't know who that uh ginger bearded asshole is. <laughs> but yeah guardians uh it definitely surprised me as soon as i finished halo um i plan to go back and give it my full attention because it was definitely sucking me in and not in like the add as in like oh this is a cool experience no this is like a game i want to finish yeah man, i i think you should definitely finish this one for sure this is the curse of holidays or summer when we have great games that come out you just if you get more than one you just get stalled and you move from one thing to the next. This happened to me last year 
because I got Ghost of Tsushima on sale, and then I got Last of Us 2 on sale, and then I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla from my brother-in-law, because he wanted to upgrade to his PS5. So I had all three games, and I got them all within, like, two weeks of each other. And to this day, I have not finished any of those games. Those are all very large games, too. <laughs> they are so... <laughs> Mike uh, will bitch at me every single time that he hears I have not finished The Last of Us Part 2. I'm sorry, Mike, but I can't fix my brain and how it's wired and how I have to jump from thing to thing to thing. Um, I will beat it one day, I promise. You know, I'm going to give you shit right now, too, just in spirit of Mike. I'm going to allow him to, like like inhabit me for a second and just give you shit for <laughs> not finishing maybe the best game ever. In The Last of Us Part Two, in my opinion, ever, least, yes, ever. Well, here I'll say I'll say this: it's it's not always like fun. I wouldn't say it's like the most fun game because it's very like dark and you know a lot of bad shit happens and makes you depressed. And which the first Last of Us was like that too. Yes. Ex- oh, this is like this that time tenfold. It's it, so this this game made me cry more than any other game. But anyway. It's it's just I think it is to date the most well made game I've ever seen. It's just that impressive. You know what? I think we need to make that a category for when we do our game awards show, and it's just something that changes every year is the best game ever. And that'll probably just get us arguing for hours live on the show if we don't come up with a list beforehand. Actually, I think it will just end up being me and Mike agreeing that it's the last of us part two and us just giving you shit for not finishing it. <laughs> You know, I fully believe that that would happen, and sadly, Mike does all the editing, so I could almost see him, like me on my end, giving an argument, and you guys just talking over me the whole time, and he cuts my entire audio out, so it's nothing but y'all giving me shit for, like, the whole show. He'll just pull from another part of the podcast where you say, yeah, I'm wrong, and it'll just, like, pop in out of nowhere after this. It'll be, like, completely and totally different tones. Like, he'll pull the word yeah from one conversation, <laughs> I'm from another one, and then wrong's like, yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> yep, that's what I was thinking. And we'll be like, okay, that's settled, moving on. <laughs> wow, we went off on another tangent. This is fun. Hey, it's fine. This will be like a three-hour podcast. Mike will just have to edit it. You know, it's the Game Awards. Mike can um just buckle down. He got a break last week when I did my short solo episode. He he had so he didn't have to do as much editing. So you know what? He's just gonna have to deal with it. Um, and he's about to get a break because we're all about to go on break. So Mike, we need you to put in a little bit of overtime. Yeah, you lazy fuck. Jesus. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> no, we're just kidding. Mike does a ton of work. He's actually yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, he's really like the backbone and lifeblood of this show. He's a machine. If there was no Mike, uh, trust me, this show would not happen. Um. So the next award was uh, best action adventure, and this went to Metroid Dread, which, as much as I like to bash on Nintendo. I was actually really glad to see Metroid win an award because it is one of my favorite games from this year. Yeah, it's a, most people were pretty happy about this. I, this got a lot of acclaim when it came out. So yeah, I'm curious like if you think, yeah, this was deserved in this category. I would say so, um, especially for a 2D side-scrolling game in today's uh, climate. I'm always fascinated when one of these games wins. Um, and this happened to be one that I played 
And I shit you not, I mean, there were times and I'd come home from work just dog tired and I'd still pick up my Switch and like, I need to play. So I haven't had that kind of aha, I've got it moments in a while from a puzzle solving game. But Metroid Dread was great. Um, I love the atmosphere. I don't want to say it was a horror game, but it definitely had horror elements. Um, I almost want to say it gave me the same vibes that I felt when I played Limbo for the first time. Just eerie, and you really didn't know what was about to happen. Yeah, like a very brooding atmosphere. And Limbo, by the way, fucking amazing game. If you have not played it, go play it. It's probably on sale for like 10 cents somewhere. It's... It's it's like three hours long. It's phenomenal. I would easily say it's one of my top five indie games. That That's fair. Um, and that's not a play off my name, by the way. <laughs> Best ongoing game. This category, um, I don't know why. This, I, I'll, I'll say this. Final Fantasy XIV won it. Um, never played it. I don't know how I feel about this particular category. Like, games of a service are a thing, but I don't feel like I need to see Apex and Fortnite up for a award year over year over year. Right, because when you think about it, this category, it's really going to be the same like handful of games every year. Because there's only enough room in this industry for those big games like I would Fortnite, GTA Five, Final Fantasy fourteen. I, I don't really know much about Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't either. I guess this would win because I I have heard so much about how it is like just you know the the, the community is super well supported by the devs and like yep. they're always adding stuff and. I mean, when did this game come out? It seems like it's been out for so long. I'm going to fact check it real quick. I want to say like 2015, but I could be wrong. For those of you playing at home, make sure you lock in your bets now. Yeah. Let's see, Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, was a 2010 massively multiplayer online role-playing game. So Wait, 2010? Are you shitting me? 2010, so 11 years. It came Holy out uh, September shit. 30th, 2010. Wow, I was way off. That is actually pretty incredible that That's it's insane. winning awards like 11 years later. Wow. I don't know how to respond to that. Shut up, Siri. I mean, I don't know how to respond to that either, but shut up. I hate Siri. She's a fucking bitch that needs to mind her own business. She's always like poking her nose in when I'm not trying to access her. Especially when you have an Apple Watch and you have big wrists and big hands and all you gotta do is just lift your arm up for like a second and then you turn on that fucking button and she's like, I don't know how to access that. Well, bitch, I didn't ask you. Yeah, right. You're like, I'm just wiping my ass. I don't want to hear from you. I'm not going to lie, that actually happens a lot when I'm with customers um, at work. We'll be discussing phone plans, and I say, like, you know, the insurance does this and this and this, and then Serial Pump was like, you're fucking lying. I'm like, shut up! (laughs) Wow, she's like cock-blocking your business. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, I bought you, I own you. Don't you understand how this works? Shut up. Why don't you get a job, Siri? (laughs) Right, when are you going to work for me? Yeah, really. So, Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> best ongoing game. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's a category. We are kind of, uh, eh about the category itself. Um, good job. Developers of Final Fantasy, well, I guess that'd be Square Enix. I don't know why I'm acting like I don't know who the fuck makes Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, those unknown developers of that little indie game, Final Fantasy. <laughs> uh, the next uh, award was pretty cool. Uh, Innovation and Accessibility, which went to uh, Forza. Yeah, I, I think this was probably a no-brainer from everything I've heard. I have not touched Forza 5 yet, but it seems like the uh, the accessibility options are pretty extensive. And it seems like every year they're working on improving that because I always see their name pop up for this category. It's a playground. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, because I couldn't remember if it was take ten, uh, turn ten, not take ten. That's a that's a I don't even think that exists. But uh, we, yeah, <laughs> we could make that. That's like a mesh between like take two and turn ten. See, I, I say take 10 because that's probably uh, how many tries it takes for us to record a show. <laughs> All right, take 10. <laughs> doing pretty good, actually. This is take one. Right. I know. We're on a roll. With me and Mike, it would be like, yeah, this would definitely be like take 20. <laughs> right. This is Boundless Gamers, episode 30, take 20. Yeah, and then you see the, uh, what are those things called? Like the clapper. <laughs> Fun trivia thing, for those of you that don't know, that clacker is to sync up the audio with the scene, so you're welcome. You're right. That is, I have heard that before. Yep, it's not just for, like, show. It actually has a use. Um, Not that anybody asked for that. Dude, nobody asks for anything. They don't even ask for this podcast, but we give it to them anyway. (laughs) That's right. Free of charge. That's right. This content is for all of you to enjoy. And the best things in life are free. So we we fit that category. We are the best things in life. By that logic, yeah. You are absolutely absolutely right. That's going to go on our Christmas album. Um, best things in life are free. So look forward to that. Um, next year, next Christmas, it's dropping. And uh, our first title is um, Ubisoft. Get it together. <laughs> uh, best game direction. It went to Deathloop. Because um, it was inevitable, Deathloop was nominated for enough shit. They were going to win something. Yeah, I. Uh, th- so m- pretty much every award, I, I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine with that." This was the only only one where I was like, "Yeah, I don't know about that." And I have I have not played Deathloop, but everything that Mike has told me and all the criticisms I've heard out there from like YouTubers and stuff. I I am just in video I've watched of it. I I'm just kind of shocked that this one best game direction, considering the other nominees that were in this category. I, I this to me this just feels like okay. Well, we know Deathloop wasn't winning the other awards, so we have to give it something. So this is going to be it. That's kind of exactly how it feels. I mean, I get that they had some unique mechanics. But from what I've seen, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. Even the gameplay that they showed at the Game Awards, I was like, this is Dishonored. Yeah, and I've heard from a lot of people that say Dishonored 2 is actually a better game than this. And like, Because when I think of game direction, I don't know how the category is described, but the way I see it is like, Basically, everything working in sync, like everything coming together, like it has a clear vision. So when yeah. I think of that, I think of like It Takes Two, um, 
you know, even like Psychonauts 2, things like that. It's like you set out for a goal. Yes, exactly. The things I've seen from Deathloop, there's too many faults and inconsistencies, like with the AI and just like, you know, other things where it's like, I I just, I'm not saying this is not a good game, but I just don't know if it deserves best game direction. And I think that's where probably a, a probably good bit of our audience is going to think. Cause I mean, we, we have bashed on Deathloop, uh, a little bit in the past month or so. None of us are ever saying it's a bad game. Um, the only thing that we're always wondering is like, was this game enough to stand out and deserve, um, a game award? And just knowing that they've made better games in the past, um, looking at Dishonored 1, 2, and then Deathloop, I, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, it seems like Deathloop goes on the bottom of that. So I think the only reason that it gets awards is just because this was a slow year and other games missed the cutoff. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think if this was like a, not that this wasn't a strong year, because I think this was a pretty damn good year in games. Uh, you know, I disagree with a lot of people who think it wasn't. But yeah, I just think if this was a stronger year, this probably would not win this. If there was a God of War that came out this year, nobody bats an eye at Deathloop, I think is what we're trying to say. Yeah. And and really, if like, and Mike called this too, when this came out back in like September, he was like, because he played it all the way through and he's like, I, you know, I don't think this is selling very well. And sure enough, we looked at the charts like a month or so later and boy, it dropped down quick and it even went on sale like insanely quick for a game of this caliber. So yeah, I don't, I I think that it was only really big in the like game journalist sphere. Like they were the ones that were really going crazy for it because all the like YouTubers and things, you know, I podcast I listen to like they, they, they liked it, but they had some severe problems with it. It's not a perfect game by any means. I mean, it's just like when you see Rotten Tomatoes, um, you have a critic score and an audience score. Yep. For example, critics love the new Star Wars trilogy. Um, I'll leave that as is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we've got to get the Star Wars the reference in here at some point. That might need to be our second show where we just bring all three of us on it's just we just get all of that negative energy out between the three of us yeah we're like this has nothing to do with games but screw it we just we need to do this we need this and we feel like you all need this too so this is the star wars sequel trilogy hate circle please come join us (laughs) yeah it's a safe space (laughs) unless you like the trilogy in which case kindly see your way out so last category, and this was the game of the year category, it takes two one. And I will say, I've been watching the game awards for a while. His reaction when they won was probably my favorite reaction ever for any award. I love Joseph Farris so much, man. I just love his energy. He's so excited about video games. Um, he, he's like a rare personality you don't usually see in the gaming industry. He's just unabashedly himself. You know, he's the fuck the Oscars guy, if you don't know who he is. <laughs> but man, I, I am so glad that it takes two one game of the year. I gotta be honest. I, I was shocked. I was too. 
like, you know, spoiler for our game awards coming up next month, but this is going to be my game of the year. I, it's just, it was my game of the year. The moment I finished this game, it's still my game of the year. I, I just, this game just is, it's so creative. It just is unlike any other game that I've played. It's, it's, it's doesn't get repetitive. It has so much variety. It's, it's so well made. Like, you want to talk about best game direction? This this fucking dwarfs Deathloop, man. This this game has such a clear vision. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, with a a game that's as unique as it is, and it, it took a gamble um, to release a game that requires co op to play takes a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. In today's, um, I don't want to say. I guess climate of games because everything um, is either, you know, these multiplayer games where you can go in there by yourself or with friends. It's entirely up to you. And it's just, you know, constantly competitive um, or it's these single player narrative driven experiences to create a awesome story, make it a awesome platformer puzzle solver um, and the boss fights are fun too. Um, you actually have to think a little bit on some of these boss fights and you really have to work together. Yeah, for sure. If you have somebody that, you know, I won't even say if you have somebody that plays games, even if you have somebody who does not play video games, like a spouse or a friend or anything like that, try this game out. It's, I almost want to call it, um, kind of like a Pixar movie for gaming to where just anybody can go in there and have a good time. You really owe it to yourself to play it. Yeah, totally. And I know you are a big fan, you and Ash, of co-op games, and you don't really see as many anymore. So for a co-op game to win Game of the Year is awesome, because I feel like Joseph Farris is one of the few people making games at this level like that. Right. And and it seems like he's there's no signs of him stopping that. Like, this is his shtick. This is his niche. And he probably has got a huge confidence booster, too. I mean, this justifies everything that he's been working towards. Oh, yeah. You, you can see this meant so much to him and Haze Light, which is the developer. Or, um, yeah, Haze Light. I don't know why I second-guessed myself there for a second. I'm like, is it Haze Light? Yeah, uh, they, uh, they, they deserve this, man. I'm just so happy for them, man. Because I thought for sure, like, Deathloop or something would get it. And I was going to be disappointed, but... No, man, it takes two. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm happy. And I know I've already mentioned his reaction, but you really saw just his passion and everything just erupt all over the stage. And the thing I loved about it the most is, you know, I mean, like we, we saw people take that stage. I'm like, even Doug Bowser, the guy in charge of Nintendo America, you could tell he was nervous as hell just talking on stage. Like you could hear his voice trembling. And I think there's two ways that you can take that energy. You can either try and contain it, or you can just let it all go. And you could tell he was letting everything fly. He was so fucking happy. Like, he just, there's no keeping it in. And even if you know nothing about the game, I think anybody can watch that reaction. Just be like, you know what? Yeah, give it to him. Yeah, I mean, how could you not love him? I mean, just go watch that speech again. He he was shaking, too. Like, he was nervous, but he had so much adrenaline running through him. And like you said, he was channeling that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, he's just, he's a great personality in the industry. I, I just hope he sticks around for a long time, because I, I love his games. But specifically, It Takes Two is the best game they've ever done. Like, they they completely leveled up with this game. 
you you and Ash need to finish it, by the way. I don't know why we didn't. I want to say it was just another classic case of something else came out and our attention got pulled somewhere else, but um, it's still downloaded to my PlayStation. We're definitely going to finish it. Just got to get the get through some of these other games too. Yeah, I get it. It's like, it is hard like to get two people in the same room to sit down for a few hours and play a game. Yeah. But for all those people out there too, by the way, it, they give you like a free friend pass with this game, mm-hmm. like all of Hazelight's co-op games. So only one person needs to own it and you can just, the other person can play it for free. Cause that's what happened. I, uh, me and my friend Susan played through the whole thing in like four days. I bought the game and, I just invited her, and yeah, man, it was such an experience. It really was. I I, I cherish it. And you guys are going to have to excuse me for like a 20-second intermission. Um, my door is shut to my office, and I think my dog just farted in here, so I am going to go light a candle. Oh, no, he's gassing the room. <laughs> Get out. It's like one of those... Uh, one of those situations in a Batman comic where Batman gets caught in a room by like the Riddler or something. And then the gas starts coming in the poisonous gas. And Oh, it's horrible. It's exactly what it feels like right now. Cause if I, I feel like every time I'm on the podcast, people hear something about my dogs, like either they're barking or something like that. This is the first time any of them have hot boxed me in my own office. This is horrible right now. Yeah. Well, you know, Dog's gonna dog. So that's his contribution to the Game Awards. Apparently he just shits on it. I mean, like most people, I honestly, I've been seeing the online reaction to this Game Awards, and I'm actually surprised. I personally enjoyed it. I, I don't know what you thought. I felt like it was a great show. It just ran long. And I don't need an advertisement for a Twitch party with two people I've never even heard of, like every 30 minutes or every 30 seconds. I agree. So I will say those are my few criticisms. It it could have been maybe two hours instead of three. Uh, I think there was way too many ads. Like it was pretty egregious. But I think that also nobody else is doing this. Jeff Keeley is, I guarantee you, this guy works so hard all year on all his his events. He's doing his best. There's a reason why they have to put so many ads and shit in here, because how else are you going to pay for the show? Yeah, no, I definitely get it. I mean, I think at this point, people look forward to the Game Awards more than E3. Like, that is our E3 now. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's. I think so. I think the Game Awards is like the biggest event in gaming every year, and yeah, for sure. Keely has to do this stuff, unfortunately. I mean, so for me, what I, but my, I was just so surprised that people were reacting this way because I'm like, guys, how many years have we been doing this? And you're surprised that there's a shit ton of ads? You know, this is going to happen. Why are we continuing to complain about this? What I do is when there's shit I don't care about on the screen, I pick up my phone and I just fiddle around until something pops up that I care about. Yeah. Yeah, for for me, though, like the announcements and trailers they showed made it the best Game Awards ever for me. Like the opening, like few, like half hour or whatever, those first few announcements. I told Mike, I was like, all right, this is already the best Game Awards ever. Now, granted, a lot of the announcements and shit was like almost like they came straight to me and was like, what do you want to see? Right. So it was tailored directly to me. There was a couple of things like that, yeah. 
I guess if you want to, we can just kind of get into the announcements now. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I will also say this. Um, if you are somebody who thinks it ran too long and you hate the ads, um, you can also do what I did, which is where uh, you make sure that, well, I didn't make sure it just happened that way, where I had to close that night. So by the time I got home, it had been going on for an hour. And then when the advertisements show up, just fast forward. Yeah, there you go. But yes, uh, now we're going to move on to the announcements part of it. And this list is even longer. So sorry, Mike, we'll we'll try and uh, speed through some of this. Um, no, they opened up with <laughs> something that I really wasn't. I, I won't say I wasn't surprised because I expected it to be addressed in some way, shape or form. But I was glad to see it addressed the way that they did. Um, and that's what they made a huge stand um, for a safer world in game development, like against sexual harassment and everything, which I did not expect to see because I know what's his name at Activision is actually on the board for the game awards. I'm glad that they said that. And everybody's heard us talk about this on the show probably week over week at this point. I really don't know. It's every week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've missed a week since the Activision Blizzard stuff started. I mean, they're giving us a lot of content to, to yeah, talk I mean, about. Um, by all means, keep it coming. But, you know, eventually we do need you to solve the problem. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, eventually Bobby Kotick's got to go. But I, I agree. You know, I, was, I think this was needed. Uh, it was a good way to start out the show. I was a little bit worried that Keeley wasn't going to say anything like leading up to this because he had I, he made some announcement on Twitter saying like uh, he wasn't going to. Like, you know, Activision would not be involved, but... Right. I, I don't know, but yeah, but what he actually said, uh, I think it was decent. I still think it was a little bit weird how he, he started out like, yeah, we, we make a stand against, you know, people should have a safe work environment. And then he makes this switch to, like, online harassment. And I'm like, well, sure, that's... Online harassment is bad, but that's not what we're talking about right now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like he played it kind of safe, but at the end of the day, I'm glad that he said something is what I'll leave it at. So the next thing that we got after that, though, blew me and Ashley's mind just out of the fucking water. We got our first gameplay trailer for Hellblade 2, and holy shit. Dude, I was just, my jaw was on the floor for this whole thing. Yeah, ours too. It just looks so stunning. And I don't know if you watched the 4K video of it afterwards. It looks even better. The things that like Ninja Theory is doing, like, I, cause I like, let me just say, I loved Hellblade 1. It's honestly one of my most memorable gaming experiences I've ever had. So I knew going into Hellblade 2 after Ninja Theory got purchased by uh, Microsoft, they're going to get a lot more money put into the sequel. And seeing this first gameplay video, oh, you can see all the money. It's all gameplay, too. I, I could tell as soon as, like, the cameras turned and you were behind Senua's back, I was like, oh, my God, this is gameplay. I love those moments where, like, a cutscene will have a seamless transition into gameplay and just it hits home. It's like, oh, shit, this is the game. Yep. That's part of why I like God of War so much. And then The Last of Us Part Two does stuff like that, too. I, I think I've said this to Mike before. I think that going forward in like this current gen is going to be one of the major things that sets it apart from previous gens is just the seamlessness of gameplay and like cutscenes. Mm -hmm. You're just going to not really know the difference anymore. It's just going to blur the line. 
Yeah, and I can't wait. I know when we were watching it, um, for those of you that have not played this game, you really need to. Because um, we were sitting there watching it, and then when they started to enter that cave, and you started hearing her voices coming in, like both of us got goosebumps. Like, oh shit, that's right. That's that's what this. Not necessarily reminded. That's what this game is all about. But like the eeriness and the feeling that comes with her being schizophrenic, just it hits home. And it seems like it doesn't affect her as much anymore because she's a lot more confident. So it was just an eerie parallel to watch when you take where she was in the first game to where she is now. Like she's almost a completely different character and it's awesome to see. I totally agree. I noticed that too, and I'm super interested to see how she's going to be portrayed in this one, having been through what she went through in the first game. And I agree. I think she's looking like a more confident Senua, which I'm very excited about. And then after that, um, I don't think any of us were expecting to see Quantum Dream or Quantum Dreams uh, Star Wars game this early. Now, granted, it was only a CG trailer. But Star Wars Eclipse, I have so many questions. This fucking just blew me and Mike's minds. We were going nuts on Messenger while this was happening. Look, I know I've raged against like, um, you know, cuts only, cutscene stuff, like all mm-hmm. CGI trailers in the past. But with this thing, man, I, I don't even give a fuck because it just looks so good. And me and Mike have been saying forever, like, we need to get away from the Skywalkers. Yes. Give us something different. And this looks like it's going to take place in the High Republic era, which I'm super excited about. That's what I've heard, yeah. Because we had heard about the Quantic Dream Star Wars game before. Like, this had leaked, but we didn't know what it would be. So, with this trailer, man, this is looking like a little bit of a dark take for the Star Wars universe. What do you think? I meant to look this up. Um, it definitely looks darker, and I'm going to look something up real quick to see if what I was thinking actually is going on. Because I want to say Eclipse was a crime syndicate um, in Star Wars Extended Universe. Oh, really? So I'm, I'm fact-checking myself real quick. I could be wrong. You could be right, because at the end of the trailer, they show like this... Uh, it almost reminded me of the the new Dune movie. But uh, this this like person was rising out of this like black gooey substance, and they had all he had all of like the minions like beating the drums in the background, almost like it is some kind of like cult, and they're they're awaiting their like their leader to rise. Okay, so yes, I wasn't wrong. Um, the Red Eclipse Cartel is a reference to the slaver crew of the Red Eclipse that appears in Knights of the Old Republic to the Sith Lords. So I was right and I was wrong at the same time. But I knew I had heard Eclipse in Star Wars before. I doubt these two are connected. But I can't wait for this. It it very much so looks like it's... I could theorize all day. Um, but with the tribal stuff at the very beginning, it gave me um, Night Sister vibes. Um, which, for those that don't know, that has to do with Darth Maul's race. It's the females of their tribe, so it almost seems like we're going to be diving into some dark side stuff, because for those that don't know, the High Republic is like the Jedi at their peak. It's when there's no Sith around, it's just they're doing their thing. 
So I almost want to say this gave me vibes that this might be when the Sith start coming back. I'm not sure. That sounds like a pretty good guess. And that sounds pretty amazing to me. And, you know, with it being Quantic Dream, we're going to get a deep, deep narrative with Mm -hmm. lots of branching decisions. And I personally love Detroit. That was their last game. This looks like it's going to at least be on par with that, if not like a step above. And just for it to be Star Wars, like I, I am just so elated that we're getting all these Star Wars games now that are like legit games, like Fallen Order. We're gonna we're supposed to get Jedi, whatever they call it, Part Two. Yep. We got this. We got uh, the massive game coming, which is supposed to be an open world game, I think. And mm-hmm. yeah, th- this is just awesome. I can't wait. But from what I read, it's it's at least like three or four years away, if not more. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you get just a CG trailer, you're three to four years away. I know one thing that I did see, like the guys that were very tribal at the very beginning. I don't know if you've read um, any Star Wars lore outside the movies or anything, but based off the cover art, they reminded me a lot of Darth Bane. So I'm almost Hmm. wondering... If this, if I'm right as far as them diving into the dark side and going off of Quantic Dreams uh, narrative-based things, I would love to see this being like Darth Bane's Rule of Two lineage, and it's a master and apprentice trying to fly under the radar in this Jedi-driven Republic. It's just that is what I would hope to see from this game, um, or it's one of the things I would hope to see. I mean, obviously. We're all Star Wars nerds at our core, and I could geek out about this all night, but we're only on the third item in this super long list. <laughs> so, Well, to be fair, this show was like front loaded. So these f- first few things we're talking about are going to be more extensive. Um, so the next one, I'm, I, I didn't ask for it. I don't know anybody who was asking for it. I'm curious what it'll be, but a Wonder Woman game got announced. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with this. I mean, they didn't show much because it's just like a little quick little like, here's Wonder Woman. It's it's happening. A uh, little logo treatment. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I think she deserves her own game. It's she's she's really popular now, and like I'm curious to see how she would be in a video game not named DC Universe Online because that game sucks. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> I was about to say, Greg Miller somewhere is, like, waiting in the ring to fight you for that. Yeah, yeah, he's a Taylor Swift character. <laughs> but, yeah, this no, I'm happy about this. I don't know what else to say, really. They didn't show much, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll be very curious to see how she translates to a game and what kind of game it'll be. I hope it's sort of like God of War. Because how fucking dope would that be, the combat of God of War with Wonder Woman with a sword and shield just fucking people up? Oh, that'd be fucking epic. So the next one, I'm sorry you're not here to discuss it, Mike. Alan Wake 2. And it's going to be even more horror-based than the first one. And Jared Leto is Alan Wake. Which I was shocked as hell when I saw that. Yeah, man, he he's really gotten into character for this one. Yeah, I've heard Jared Leto, but I, I can see that. But I think he looks more like Jake Gyllenhaal. That's what me and Mike think. I was researching it online. I think it's confirmed. He is Alan Wake. 
Who? Jared Leto. No, I did. You're, you're fucking with me. I, I'm, I'm looking it up real quick. Hang on. No, because they got uh, Vili, Vili Ika, I think, is like the, the face model. Uh, okay, never mind. And the voice actor is like uh, Matthew uh, can't Peretti, or I think his name is, or something like that. Um, No, but anyway, Alan Wake 2. Oh, holy shit, Alan Wake 2. Oh. <laughs> I'm having an orgasm. Finally. Finally. Now, you have not played all of Remastered yet, have you? Not all of it, no. Um, it's another one of those that I need to go back and play once we get through some of the bigger uh, games of the year. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, totally. But, uh, God, Alan, me and Mike have been waiting for this since, like, 2011 when the first Alan Way came out. And I'm going to be honest, I never thought it would actually come to fruition. I, I had always hoped, but I, I just didn't know because it's like, you know, it's been so much time and Remedy's kind of moved on to control. But the first thing where I was like, okay, I know Alan Wake 2 is happening is when they released that second DLC for Control. The, it was Alan Wake focused. And when I first, like, so I played both those DLCs and Control, by the way, fantastic game, go play it. But yeah, so they, the, the opening of that DLC you hear Alan Wake's voice again and you see there's like this cutscene with him, but it's like, it's been like 10 years. So you see like how Alan Wake looks in the current technology. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Oh my God, we need an Alan Wake two now. Apparently they've, I've been listening to a lot of like Sam Lake uh, talk. He's the writer of it and director of Alan Wake two. This is like a, a passion project for remedy. Like, they've been working on this. They had this conception since the first Alan Wake. They There was actually, like, a video that leaked online some years back. It was, like, a uh, a little, like, demo thing they put together for Alan Wake 2, and it's, but it never came to be. But I'm kind of glad, because it's been so many years now that they all this advancement in technology, I feel like you're going to be able to properly do Alan Wake 2. And the thing that I was most happy about is it's going to be an M-rated survival horror game. I love the fact that we're almost... You know, I remember in the 90s, um, survival horror games seemed like they were a lot more frequent than they are now. But now that things are progressing, like you were saying with Unreal Engine 5, it's and like as soon as... I want to say when Evil Within came out... I almost seemed like that was kind of the rebirth of this old 90s horror video game renaissance in a way, because it seems like we're seeing it more and people are demanding it more. Um, the fact that we're getting Alan Wake 2, it's more so based off, it's going to be more so a horror-based game. We have a Dead Space remake coming out. All of the Resident Evils are being remaked. I am very, very happy and pleased to see that this is happening. That's That's what I'll leave it at. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but again, this is another announcement where we could probably go all night about what we want to see, what our expectations are. Is that Jared Leto? Is it Jake Gyllenhaal? We don't know. So we're just going to move on to the next thing. We got our first trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, Jacques, did you watch the first one? I saw, so, like, I... 
I think I said on the podcast once I watched like five minutes of the first one and I was like, no, no, this sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, fun story time. Me and Ash actually went to theaters to go see this. This nostalgia on my part, because I mean, growing up, we had um, originally we had an NES and we had a Sega Genesis, and I played the shit out of Sonic the Hedgehog one to the point where the cartridge didn't work anymore. So that nostalgia is like I have to go see it just for the child in me. And when I say that I was not the biggest nerd in that theater, is probably the most undersold statement I have ever delivered because when the post credit scene came around and Tails showed up the guys behind us I think literally fucking jizzed their pants because all we heard is like it's fucking Tails <laughs> and we're like really Jesus Christ so the whole time we're sitting there watching this and we're looking at Tails that's all me and Ashley could hear and then when Knuckles showed up Again, that's all we could imagine is that same group freaking out that it's Knuckles. Now, I love the fact that Idris Alba is playing Knuckles. I th- I think that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I will say, though, his voice, I, I did not recognize that voice at all. He's got a pretty smooth voice, but yeah, he probably changed it a little bit. But uh, that, I think that's a pretty good casting choice. I respect that people like these movies and that character. That's fine. Like, I have no issues with that. And I even had played Sonic when I was a kid, but I just, I don't really like the character. I mean, he's just okay. Um, I will say this, though. I mean, probably the best treat out of that whole movie um, is it's 90s Jim Carrey. He's very much so the Jim Carrey that I grew up with. So it's just fun to watch him be him, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, totally. Now, that's something that would actually get me to go back and watch it, because I love 90s Jim Carrey. You you see a little bit of Ace Ventura and some of his other roles in his character for Dr. Robotnik. It's a lot of fun to watch. And honestly, it looks like in this new one, he's dialed it up even more. Which is why I am actually excited for the second one. But moving on from that one, uh, we also got... I I kind of hope this is our last trailer for Horizon Forbidden West because I do feel like sometimes when you get one too many trailers, it's kind of like movies. You feel like you've seen the movie and me and Ashley have purposefully not watched any more content for this. Like if it's a game that we really, really want to play, we already know we're going to play it. We'll watch the first trailer and that'll be about as far as it goes. So this is actually kind of a treat because we watched the first one and we haven't watched any more content than we saw this trailer. And I, holy shit. Well, I'll just say this. Based off what we've seen, the 2022 Game Awards are going to be a very different show. I, I, I mentioned this last week too, dude. 2022 is going to be absolutely batshit insane. Because you got this and you got Elden Ring. You got God of War Ragnarok. You've got Starfield, you've got, uh, what else you got? A lot of shit. Point is, you're, it's going to be a, a tough game of the year. Can you imagine uh, if Spider-Man was coming out next year, too? Yeah. It's going to be insane. So, But yeah, <laughs> I concur with you about everything you said. I, I typically don't like to watch too much, because uh, you feel like it's you're just spoiling too much stuff at a certain point. And uh, you didn't need to sell me on this game. I literally could have watched nothing 
after playing the first one, I'm already sold on the sequel. The next item, I mean, meh, it's Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. I know that Destiny has a super dedicated fan base. Um, I'm happy for you guys. I love it when a fan base gets more games. Um, I played the first Destiny. I had my fun with it, and I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I, I'm happy for them. I think this looked really cool. I'd be when it first started playing before I realized it was Destiny 2. I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's just not my type of game. It's co-op games of service Halo. I mean, that's that's all I can say about it. Um, This. Uh, OK, so this next game, I'm just going to say this. I'm so tired of being cock teased about a new Silent Hill. Like, can <laughs> oh it just God. come out? Okay, let, let me tell you what happened while I was watching this. So, all throughout the show, that like they were dropping little hints. I don't know if you picked up on some of this stuff. So, at first, they showed... I think it might have been this. They showed this, and at the beginning, there's like the writing. It's like, from... Uh, you know, Toyama, you know, creator of Silent Hill and they bold Silent Hill. And you're like, what? We're like, are we getting a new Silent Hill? Yeah. And it's like, it's in the Silent Hill font and everything. And then it's like, it's a game called like Slitterhead. But then right after they show this trailer, Jeff Keighley says something like, he says something like, I don't know exactly what he said, but he mentioned the word abandoned. He literally said abandoned. <laughs> and when he said that, I was like, I was like, Mike, did you, did you hear that? He said, I was like, they're fucking with us. <laughs> I was like, I, so I was like, I right there. I was like, mark my words at the end of this show, Kojima's coming out and he is announcing that abandoned is actually Silent Hills. Oh yeah. And previously before this, I think they had Kojima or after maybe, they had Kojima come on screen. He's like, sorry, I can't be there. Yep. And then they brought in Guillermo del Toro. Yes. And Guillermo del Toro was like, he said, so he's mentioned Silent Hill. He was like, oh, I hope someone makes another one of those, like very tongue in cheek. And I'm like, you are fucking with us. Yeah. I I felt the same way. Like he's, he says, like, I really hope they make another one of those games. I'm like, Fuck you. <laughs> that dude, Kojima, needs to stop trolling us, man. And then we didn't even get anything by the end of the show, like I thought. Like, Kojima just draws shit out unnecessarily long. It's it's annoying. It's not fair. My balls can't get any bluer. Like, come on. <laughs> and, and not only that, but like, I, just a few days before the show uh, on PlayStation Network, that that abandoned app like updated and it was like the prologue is coming in January and I'm like come on man the timing of this yeah like just announce already it's fucking Silent Hills and Kojima's involved you know he's sitting there just laughing at us like he knows what he's doing oh he knows exactly what he's doing he was the same way when they dropped the first teaser for Death Stranding and everyone's like hey we think this is what this means in Death Stranding because I watched an interview with him it was like I love it when fans come to me and they have these theories like, oh, that's very interesting. I might use that. And like, you were such a, I, I hate you, but I love you. You're a dick. Just, yeah. He he definitely gets off on trolling us. Anyway, though, like Slitterhead was the game. It's from the Silent Hill creator. It's, 
it it's to me it was weird the trailer was like the the tone was like way off the music was like all this fast paced like because it starts out you think it's gonna be like a horror type thing and it has horror elements but then mm-hmm. it's like this like action based like i don't know it just seemed weird i'm not really interested in this i just want silent hill i started off the conversation saying i'm tired of getting teased about silent hill and then we went through like a five minute tangent about silent hills. Like, Oh yeah, by the way, the game's called Splitterhead. moving on. <laughs> yeah, really? So after that, uh, we got an announcement for a PC only game called Nightingale. The game actually looked pretty fucking cool. Um, I know Ashley was getting really excited up until it said PC only. And then she just kind of deflated. Yeah. The, I like the aesthetics of it. It was like really interesting. It was kind of like, um, like, uh, what would you call it? Like a steampunk kind of, does that sound? Yeah. Sort of like a old timey Western kind of, but like with some like fantasy mixed in, like, does that seem like an accurate description? Yep. It reminded me of a game that came out, I want to say two years ago, uh, two years ago called a uh, Greedfall. Yeah. I got some of those vibes. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked cool. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like It kind of got a, like a steampunk, western um, aesthetic to it when mixed with nature. Um, I know that it said that Welcome to the Land of Fae, which, for those that don't know, that's kind of like the land of fairies. So yeah, I mean, it looked interesting. It was a cool concept. Um, I have no idea what it's going to be, but I'm interested to see what happens, and I hope it comes to the consoles. The next thing got announced, there's a Lady Gaga pack that got released for Beat Saber the same day it was announced. Um, if you have Beat Saber on PC, I mean, I know you guys get the mod songs to whatever you want. Uh, for those of us on PSVR, it was kind of a cool announcement. I haven't downloaded it yet, but I'm sure we will because Ashley's a huge Lady Gaga fan. I will say out of the new artists that come out in this day and age... Um, for those that don't know, if you were to ask my wife, she'll say that I'm perpetually stuck in the early 2000s. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I guess now kids call it dad music because I saw a TikTok and it was like, this is what your parents are listening to. And it brought up like Blink-182 and this, that, and the other. It was like, hey, that's that. Oh, wait, I'm that age group now. <laughs> like uh, like TRL. <laughs> But after that, I don't remember what this game was, but a game called Somerville was announced. Yes, no, it's, uh, I've actually been looking forward to this because it's from the, well, speaking of Limbo, it's from some former Play Dead developers, which is why it looks so much like inside in those types of games. Um, it's kind of like, it looks like some kind of alien invasion is happening and there's this family that's like trying to escape, sort of like War of the Worlds-ish. This looks awesome. I I can't wait. That's right. I do remember this game because I want to say this wasn't the first time that we've seen something for this game, right? No, we. I believe we saw it at one of the state of plays. That's right. That's where I've seen this from. Yeah, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's very, it's very World of Wars. Or, did I say that right? War of the Worlds-esque. World of Wars. <laughs> World of Wars. It, it involves worlds and it involves wars. <laughs> I think we're going to get to a game like that, because they did announce a Warhammer game, but we'll get to that in a minute. 
Yeah, we should probably try to blaze through some of these and just hit ones that we really care about. Like, uh, yes, um, we're definitely going to speed through some of these. Um, not through this next one though, because I was all kinds of excited for this. Uh, Cuphead: The Delicious Last Course in the land or the island of DLC. Jacques, did you play Cuphead? I did not because I'm afraid. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I, I, it looks amazing, like, obviously, but I am not one of those people. It's the same reason why I don't really play the Dark Souls games and stuff. I'm not trying to torture myself when I play games. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, I don't think I have the skill level to, to play something like this. I definitely understand that. Me and Ash started co-oping uh, Cuphead, and then she fell off, um, kind of for the same reasons, and then I ended up just soloing it. I I love the fact that this game exists. I mean, the fact that it's a hand-drawn game, it's just, it's amazing. If you haven't played it, go play it. And this, this DLC has been, like, they've been working on this for a long time. It's finally coming out, like, June 30th, 2022. Which is two days after my birthday, so I can't wait. Next game, they got announced a new Sonic game. Um, normally, I'd be kind of, okay, yay, another Sonic game. This one looks like it's going to be open world, so that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I think it's the first open world Sonic ever, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they've had hub worlds, like Sonic Adventure had a hub world where you just run the levels, um, and they've done that in the past. But this looks like it's going full open world Sonic the Hedgehog game, so it'll be interesting to see what that turns out. You might even say it's like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Every open world game shall henceforth be compared to Breath of the Wild. Open worlds didn't exist before Breath of the Wild, didn't you know that? Uh, you know what? I learned that today, actually. <laughs> um, We also got our first uh, look at Suicide Squad gameplay. I'm going to listen to your thoughts before I give mine, because I'm curious if we're on the same page. Okay, so this is what I thought, and it's kind of what I've been thinking after every trailer. It, it looks fantastic visually, but I am very concerned that they are showing very little gameplay. This was technically the first <laughs> gameplay trailer. It's like... What the fuck is this game? I mean, we think it's like the Avengers game, kind of. I'm just worried, like, why Rocksteady? And I trust Rocksteady, because the Arkham games were phenomenal. But it's like, why are you guys not showing gameplay? You just keep showing off cinematic shit, you know? When I first saw Rocksteady was doing it, um, it's the only reason I had faith in this game, to be 100% honest with you, because I don't think... Suicide Squad translates very well to a video game, um, unless it's gonna be something like Marvel Ultimate Alliance back in the day. And then when I what gameplay we did get to see, I saw every single character you can play as have an over-the-shoulder third-person gun action mode. And I think every amount of faith I had for this game ran out of me when I saw that. I'm like, this is going to be the most generic shooter with a Suicide Squad skin on it. I mean, it's, it's, that's what I saw anyway. I could be wrong because, like you said, we didn't get much gameplay. But, you know, if you pay attention to these trailers long enough, you start to pick up on patterns. And if you're getting too many cutscenes and not a whole lot of gameplay, and the gameplay you did see is kind of underwhelming... That's usually a red flag. 
I, I just get the impression that they're trying to hide the gameplay as much as possible because they're not confident in it. And I would not be surprised if this game gets delayed. I mean, the last game that I can think of, or I'll say the game that prominently comes to mind when I think of that exact description is Cyberpunk. And we all know how well that went. Next game that got shown was Forspoken. Um, and we got a release date for May 24th. This game wasn't really on my radar at all. Did you pay any attention to it? I remembered it when it was originally announced as Project Athia. And then they revealed it later as Forspoken. I can't remember what show that was, but this is like the second time we've seen it in full. And we actually got more gameplay. And I this is a surprise to me. And I think Mike feels the same way. It actually looks really interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, cool combat in there, lots of impressive particle effects. Uh, the, the graphics look pretty good. It seems like an interesting story. And yeah, I'm, I'm uh, count me as like very interested in this. It definitely uh, struck me as unique. The environments, I would say, rival kind of Horizon as far as how they look. Story, it threw me for a loop like I can honestly say I have no idea what's going on but I'm very interested to see more Um, I see a lot of potential in a game like this yeah for sure next one was a total shock to me and I can't wait because I recently started getting into Warhammer which I mean people on the show have heard me talk about Audible before but I started listening to a series of Warhammer 40k books, so I know the lore before even playing or like painting any miniatures, putting any miniatures together, anything like that. I know the lore before that, and then I see Space Marine 2 get announced, and it looks like Gears of War. I cannot fucking wait. Yeah, totally. I was totally getting Gears vibes. So yeah, can't wait for that one. Hope to see more. Um, the rest of it was kind of underwhelming. Like we got some Nightmare Before Christmas DLC for Fall Guys. I don't know if this is a new Saints Row, if this is DLC. I've never been a Saints Row fan. I just never got into them. But self, uh, Saints Row self-made. Uh, Jacques, did you play those games? Uh, I played the only Saints Row I played was Gad Out of Hell, which I think was like an expansion to the fourth one. I really enjoyed it. Like I almost 100%ed it. Except for like a fucking annoying like last trophy that was ridiculous and I just gave up. Yeah, I I don't really care about Saints Row, to be honest. Gotcha. Um, after that we got Dune Spice Wars, which looks like it's gonna be a Dune uh RTS. I love RTSs. Um I'm also a big strategy guy, like my favorite board game is Risk. So I'll be interested to see what that is. I still haven't watched the Dune movie, so I think if I were to watch the movie, I might be more excited for that. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. The next one, I, I'm I I've never really gotten into Borderlands. Me and Ash co-op Borderlands too, and it was it was okay. I just can't get past um, Randy Pitchford. <laughs> just to know he's associated with it just puts a bad taste in my mouth every time I see the Borderlands logo. That being said, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands looks so, like so much fucking fun. I can't wait. Yeah, it looks fun. I, I've definitely played Borderlands one and two, and like I dabbled in like uh, the pre sequel with Mike, and 
I think I really like Borderlands. Um, I think I'm a little bit tired of it, though. With this having so much of a different uh, sheen of paint, like it's more fantasy, that might do something for me. And I really like Tiny Tina. Um, I think like uh, Ashley Birch does a fantastic job voicing her, so mm-hmm. I might give this a try. It comes out March 25th, 2022. I think the thing that's it's it's drawing me is that me and Ash also got into D and D in the past year and a half. Okay, so this is just like we were watching. It's like uh, we've we've got to play it. We just, we got to try it. Yeah, for sure. The next one, I I've actually been trying to wrap my head around this ever since I saw it. <laughs> um, Among Us is coming to VR. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, it could be fun, could be terrifying, it could also be incredibly broken to where it doesn't work and should have no place in VR. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I don't know what to say about this. I've never played Among Us. I want to. I know it's coming to Xbox Game Pass, I believe, like, it should be out by the time this uh, episode releases, actually. I think so, because I think we get it the same time we get Aliens Fireteam. So we need to get Mike and Ash and get get together, Jason. We need to play play this probably. <laughs> I was actually telling Ash last night um, we were going to bed. I was like, "Oh, by the way, me, you, Mike, uh, Jacques, we might all be playing Aliens Fire Team uh, here next week." And she's like, "Well, I thought you played that game and you didn't like it that much." It's like true, but I haven't played it with friends, and neither has Mike. And I think Jacques wants to try it with friends, so don't be surprised if we end up playing on Game Pass. Oh, we definitely will. Unfortunately, it's only like three players, which is stupid. Oh, that's some shit. Okay, well, me and Ash might swap off then. (laughs) Actually, fuck Mike. He he played, he beat it, so he doesn't need to play anymore. Anyway, next game, uh, Steel Rising. I don't remember this one either. There was a lot of games that I saw that I was kind of like, okay. And this is also towards the end. Like we said, it ran a little long and I got home an hour late. So you will definitely tell in my notes where I stopped getting more details. Like, okay, steel rising. And then that's the note. I'm like, okay, now me currently is like, the fuck do you mean by that? What is, what is that? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember what this is. Um, I just looked it up on Google Images. I do remember. Um, this was also kind of steampunkish. When I first saw it, I thought it was Lies, it was Lies of P, which is the Pinocchio right, inspired right. game. Um, it was the one that had like the um the mechanical puppet uh, dancing in the middle of the room. No, I now I remember because I thought the same thing when I saw this. I was like, "Is this Lies of P?" So yeah, um, it looks interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I <laughs> I don't really have thoughts on it. The next thing is a game called Metal Hellsinger, which is a, apparently a rhythm-based metal shooting game. To me, it looked like Doom a little bit. It looked like it wanted to be Doom. Like, it looks like somebody listened to the Doom soundtrack and played Doom. It was like, you know what? The whole game should be centered around the soundtrack. Yeah, that sounds about right. Next one, I think they said that this was made by some Telltale veterans. I don't think it's Telltale um, Revived, but it's Star Trek Resurgence. So it's a Telltale-style game in the Star Trek universe. I'm definitely more of a Star Wars nerd before Star Trek, but this did catch my attention. 
Yeah, you are correct about the it is former Telltale people. It, it looks a lot like Telltale. I I'm not really a Star Trek guy. Like I'm same with you. I'm Star Wars all the way, so I don't really care much about this. But like, yeah. you know, it is what it is. If you like Telltale and Star Trek, there you go. Yeah, I mean, if it if it inspires that Mass Effect feel of hey, this is your crew, make your decisions, and what decisions you make will affect your crew. I'm sure that we would have a good time with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Next game, Rumbleverse, uh, which looked like a uh, wrestling battle royale style game. I don't have anything to say. It gave me the same vibes as Knockout City, which meant that I just wasn't very interested at all. Yeah, same. I think you covered it. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, next one is a game that was actually a sequel to a very well-received game. Maybe you've heard of it. A Plague Tale. Uh, this is a Plague Tale Requiem. I think this is the second trailer we've gotten for this game. Yeah, that's correct. Which was surprising because apparently somehow my wife has managed to avoid a Plague Tale altogether because she saw this. She's like, what is this? I'm like, this is a sequel. She's like, did you play the first one? It's like, no, I didn't. And she's like, why not? I'm like, I don't know. Do, do you not know what this is? And she had no idea. I love the Plague Tale. It's such, it's one of the most underrated games I've ever played. It's it's very much like the first Last of Us. It's it's just basically that, and it's set against like the, the plague with the you know, rats. It's got this cool rats mechanic. But this looks phenomenal. This kind of reminds me of like Ninja Theory with Hellblade. Like, where they're taking the next step with this game. Like, they're going to truly get a budget. And I've predicted uh, previously on this podcast that I think whenever this releases, I assume maybe next year, I think it was 2022, I think around that time, you're going to hear an announcement of Microsoft purchasing Asobo, which is the developer that does this. This is definitely one of those games that's been on my radar and kind of in my uh, queue of games to try out at some point. Indy, play The Last of Us Part Two first. That's priority one. Well, okay, so I have gotten some time into The Last of Us 2. I just want everybody to know that. I did start it. <laughs> I just haven't finished it. I, actually, you know what? I can even take it back to a single moment as to what made me stop. I was getting pretty far. I had a building I had to go clear out. And then my brother-in-law was telling me, hey, did you get the shotgun? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, well, it was in this building. And that would require me backtracking so far just to find out if I even if I can even go back to this building. And I was like, fuck, I do not want to backtrack that far. And that's what stopped me, is the fact that apparently I missed out on a shotgun in a building that I actually looted. I just missed it. Well, you know, I think that's... Uh either start it over or just soldier on because there's so many different ways you can approach combat in that game that you don't need a shotgun. And that's what I'm thinking is like, as like enough time has gone by, I'm just going to restart it. Yeah, you're probably going to have to. Um, so that being said, uh, we're almost to the end of this list, guys. Dying Light 2, February 2022. So that's another game we can add to the plethora of games for 2022. Jock, did you play the first Dying Light? 
I did not. Uh, I'd heard so much good stuff about it, but I tend to get motion sick with these types of games, you know, these real fast first person games. So that's kind of why I, avoid, I avoided it. But I am interested in the second one. I've heard a lot of positive things uh, about it. Other than just the horrendous development cycle, but I'm glad they're finally getting this game out. So me and a buddy of mine are actually currently going through the first one. Uh, we have been for I want to say a couple of months now. Like, um, he's a he's I would say he's like one of my best friends, if not my best friend. Um, we'll just kind of randomly have days off. Um, where it's like, hey, what do we want to play? Because we just you know we don't want to play the same stuff over and over. And when that happens, Dying Light is the game that we go back to because we were we were playing it pretty hard and heavy. Um, and then I think we both got really busy with work. Something happened or games came out. We tried other stuff, but we still go back to it. I would say this is a game that's definitely best experienced co-op. If you are playing it solo, it's still fun. But just like the Dead Island games, if you're playing it solo, eventually it's going to feel like a drag. Um, at least when you're playing with friends, you know, you can just go goof off and do some dumb, wacky shit that's just fun to do. I will say from playing the first one to the second one, the setting looks better. But the mechanics are very much so the same. I didn't see anything that stood out as far as like, hey, this is a new feature. It's just like, you know, okay, so we went from a town that's gone to shit to the whole world's gone to shit. So, so Indy, from what I understand, though, like the reason, well, not the reason, but one of the reasons it's taken them so long, besides all the behind the scenes drama and like the writer, Chris Avalone, having allegations and being fired, basically. But anyway, it's so they're trying to really push the boundaries with like a dynamic world in this where your actions that you do can actually change the world. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, but like in a truly next gen way, like not just like stuff we've seen already, like you're literally going to see like the environment change based on decisions you make, things like that. I mean, and that definitely makes sense. Like I said, it doesn't seem like they've changed a whole lot. But if that's more so what they're focusing on, I definitely understand why the gameplay seems like it hasn't changed much. Yeah, because from what I understand, too, I mean, the first one had pretty tight mechanics already. It really did. The the parkour was amazing. Yeah, if you haven't played the first one, I don't think you're going to need to play it to go into the second one. But if you just want to get an idea as to what it's going to feel like, definitely check it out. It's it's fun. But like you were saying, if you're somebody who gets motion sickness um, from playing first-person games that move around way too much, this game is going to give it to you. I'm just I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, next game was Crossfire. I think I remember a game like this back on the 360, if I'm not mistaken. It... From the vibes I got, generic military shooter. Best description I can give. All I know is Remedy did the campaign for this. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah, I'm not sure who did the multiplayer, but yeah, the Remedy did the uh, campaign, which means it should be really good. Yeah, you should have a good story at the very least, so maybe it'll be worth checking out. Next one was uh, Vampire Masquerade Blood Hunt, which is a Battle Royale uh, vampire game, which I've actually heard some interesting things about um it might be worth checking out especially if you're looking for a new battle royale to play like if you're tired of warzone or apex 
and you just want something new, give it a try. Yeah, certainly a unique take on the Battle Royale genre. Uh, after that uh, is a game that I've been seeing on and off. Uh, GTFO, it actually got released officially out of early access during the Game Awards. I haven't played it. I know it's a PC-only game, so I know you and Mike haven't played it. I love the concept, though. But like you were saying last week on your solo um, show, kind of like with the resurgence of 90s horror games kind of coming back, we're also getting that resurgence of Left 4 Dead uh, style games. Yeah, like these asymmetrical shooters. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's getting old. It's It's the whole reason I wasn't really that excited for um what's it called back for blood because me and a group of friends had played world war z when it came out we were excited because it was left for dead ish and nostalgia only takes you so far um unfortunately when these types of games they just they don't have a whole lot of replay value once you beat it you beat it i don't know because i was the same way like with world war z i was i bought it me and mike played it Jason, super excited because we were huge fans of Left 4 Dead. Now, it's a great game. I, I think it's fun. But, and it, this is the same thing that happened with Back for Blood. You know, it's very fun. But for me, the fun factor wears off very quickly. Yeah. I don't, I just don't think anything kind of lives up to the Left 4 Dead days. And part of that is not necessarily the game's faults. Part of that is just like, I've grown a little more as a gamer. Times change. I don't know. It's just kind of weird that like all these types of games are kind of coming back all at once right now. But I guess that's how the video game industry moves in cycles. I guess so. I mean, it, you know, it's it's interesting to think about why we're not enjoying it like we used to. I mean, like you said, maybe it's just we're older now. Um, our tastes have changed. Uh, maybe these games aren't even for us anymore. Maybe they're for the next generation. Um, who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I appreciate that these games still exist. I'm glad that they do, but they're just they're just not for me at this point. I just don't play many multiplayer games anymore. I think that's what it is. They I can only play them for so long. And I, I know eventually I'm gonna get as much fun as we're having with Halo multiplayer right now. I'm really curious how far that's gonna take me. Yeah. I mean I'm sure the four of us, um I'm sorry, the five of us, because it's me, you, Jason, Mike, and Ash. Um, I'm sure we'll end up moving on to other things. After that, um, I'm actually very curious to hear what your thoughts were. We got our first look at the Paramount Plus uh, Halo TV series. Yeah, speaking of Halo, we didn't even plan that segue. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it was very short. They just kind of gave you a little tease. Um, I think it looks cool. They're they're taking Halo very seriously. It looks like, which I'm I'm happy about. I I don't know how you feel, but something just felt weird with how Master Chief. Like, don't get me wrong, he looks one to one with the game. Like the look is good, but just Master Chief in live action just looks so goofy to me. I don't know. It was with the, the backdrop of the serious world, and then you got these guys in these giant fucking armor suits. So this is kind of um, what I was... I was saving a segment of my Halo Infinite talk for this, because um, I kind of felt the same way. It, Chief looks great, aesthetically. He looks like Chief from Halo 2, 3, and Infinite. Like you said, it's one-to-one. 
but I almost feel like it's time for Halo to move past Master Chief, just like it's time for Star Wars to move away from the Skywalkers. There is so much more you can do with it. Like Halo Reach, Chief wasn't in it, and it did great. Halo ODST, Chief wasn't in it. It, I mean, there's an audience out there that loved it. I was part of it, and I feel like it's getting more fondly remembered. There's so many more stories you can tell that don't involve the Master Chief, and I almost feel like a Halo TV series needs to be one of them. I think probably if this does well, you'll probably see some spinoffs. But but I think there's room in this this series to tell a lot of like side stories that don't involve Master Chief. I love the Master Chief as a character, but I just feel like it's time to retire his character. I mean, I know it's inevitable. He's going to start talking in the series, but it's just like when he showed up in Forward Unto Dawn, when I see Master Chief and it's not Steve Downs, it just doesn't fit. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's the same thing when like they did the the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street and it wasn't Robert England. Right. There's like there's certain things you don't touch. But other than that, I mean there as far as visuals go, it reminded me a little bit of Neil Blomkamp's shorts that he did for when Halo 3 was coming out. Which I still hate the fact that we never got a Neil Blomkamp Halo movie because he went on to go do District Nine, and if you if I could take that aesthetic and put it to a Halo movie, that's like perfect for me. I love the way it looked. Man, it, if we could look at the Neil Blomkamp universe that was to be, like he was also supposed to do like the third, the proper third Aliens movie, like after he was supposed to do Halo. I'm like, oh my god, what could have been? <laughs> He's like Guillermo del Toro with video games. Anything he gets associated with is doomed to cancel. Like, he's cursed. Yes, utterly talented, but has a hard time getting his projects through. Speaking of things that don't get finished, and this is kind of a weird segue, Elden Ring uh, got a new trailer, which George R.R. Martin had a hand in. Um, so apparently he's still active, even though we still don't have a final book for Game of Thrones. Not salty, just saying. Yeah, he was working on this instead of Winds of Winter, like he should have been. <laughs> he saw everybody's reaction to the end of the season, um, and he was like, all right, I think I'm just going to die and not finish it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm calling it, though. Like, I think after Winds of Winter comes out, like you're not going to see another book before he passes away, unfortunately. Took a dark turn. Didn't mean to do that. Yeah, but Elden Ring. <laughs> we got another uh, trailer, a more cinematic trailer this time, which, you know, it, it looks great. You know, you could almost say it looks like Dark Souls if it was combined with Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I would say it's like the Breath of the Wild of Souls games. Because <laughs> once again, Breath of the Wild set just set the precedence for open world. There was no open world before Breath of the Wild. All joking aside, this game truly does look like Dark Souls 4 in everything but name. Yeah, totally. It's, I think it is most closely resembles Dark Souls out of any FromSoft game. Maybe with like a little bit of Lord of the Rings thrown in there. I remember when they released the, um, I think it was like two hours worth of gameplay. I was watching it and... They shamelessly put all of the sound effects for like when you get souls and this, that, and the other straight out of Dark Souls into this game. I'm like, so let me get this straight. It's the same parrying sound effect. 
It's the same sound effect when you kill an enemy and gain experience, but this isn't Dark Souls. It's like, no, this is Elden Ring. No, it's Dark Souls 4. Let's, let's just cut the shit. I mean, that's, isn't that kind of what all FromSoft games are? And I believe me, I love FromSoft games, but they're all just different coats of paint of the same game. They really are. Which is not a bad thing, because that's what that community wants. That's fine, but let's not, like, let's be honest about it. But I mean, at least with the, like, with when if I go and play Bloodborne, it's the same formula. If I play uh, Sekiro, it's the same formula. But at least they have their own sound effects to it. Now, this is kind of nitpicking, and I don't know why I'm hung up on this one thing. But the fact that it's an entirely new IP, but it's using the same assets, I'm just kind of like, that's it's it's just it's a weird thing. I don't know why I'm hung up on it, but I am. That's the back of the box quote from Indie. Great game, but still has the same parrying sound effects. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all I have to say for Elden Ring at the moment. Um, I'm sure as we get closer to um, February of next year, we'll have another show more so focused around FromSoft and uh, those games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one was a game called Ark Raiders, which is another one of those that I don't remember what it was. I just remember like the logo had like a rainbow or something like a rainbow color. That's that's about all I remember. I think it looked cool. I <laughs> that's sad. We're both like, I think this was cool. The name sounds cool. The, see, the the problem is this happened, like, right before Game of the Year, and this was, like, on probably, like, hour deep into hour three, and I think everybody was just kind of, like, falling asleep by this point, so. I know I was. I was struggling. Um, okay, I did a Google image. This is the one that was very much so, like, um, War of the Worlds, where you had uh, tripods walking around. Uh, it was an over-the-shoulder shooter. It seems like you have to work as a team to bring down these giant walkers. Yeah, I, I was getting the the impression that it was going to be sort of like multiplayer focused. Yeah, I almost want to say, not. I mean, it's third person and it looks nothing like it, but almost Destiny esque as far as how it's going to play, to where it's almost going to be open world and you and a couple friends are just kind of going through it, taking on whatever crosses your path. Um, and then after that, and I don't know if this is the last thing that they showed as far as announcements, but it was the Matrix Awakens, which you actually uh, talked about at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, I have nothing really more to say. I pretty much covered it early on, so <laughs> that's about it. So, um, yeah, that actually brings us through our inventory, our topics, everything. Good job, Jacques. I'm proud of us. Are we going to... Yeah, I'm, that's, I think we did a good job covering it all. But I do want to say, are we going to do surprise mechanics? We are. I was actually about to bring that up. So uh, do you want to go first? Let's try to make it quick, because I think Mike is absolutely going to fucking murder us. Because... <laughs> oh, I know we're at two hours and 21 minutes. We've gone so far over. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that this episode's probably going to be delayed by at least a day, maybe two. So... We might be getting this on a getting it out on Friday or Saturday. I, I apologize to both Mike and the audience. We got carried away. Um, Mike's never going to let us do a show together again. <laughs> no, this is the first and last. So, so uh, enjoy it while he got it. Um, anyway, surprise mechanics. Um, actually, you know what? I'll start it off. 
this is something that uh, you guys can look forward to next year. Um, it's a, Jacques aware of it, but it's a surprise that I'm announcing it on this episode. We're going to start a new segment called Indies Indies. This is where I'm going to be building a list throughout the year. Um, just talking about uh, my top 25. At least I'm going to try and keep it to 25 uh, indie games. It may even be a challenge for me to get to 25. But I'm going to challenge myself next year to play more indie games and actually build a top 25 list um, that will be official. So to kick that list off, I'm actually going to talk about The Forest, which is the game that I was considering getting a second PS4 um, for me and Ash to play together because I started playing it and Ash fell in love watching me play it. And talking about horror, this game is so fucking eerie with how it starts off because if you haven't seen it you crash on an island full of cannibals and it gradually gets worse night after night after night after night like at first you're just trying to survive your character gets hungry he gets thirsty he gets cold so you're just trying to survive and then one day you'll just be like building your hut or trying to go hunting for food and you'll come across another person and they they stare at you. They keep their distance at first. You can tell they're investigating. And if they don't think you are a threat, they will come back at night in force and just kill you. So it turns into a survival of the elements and trying to fight off these cannibals. And it's not just cannibals, because like I said, it gets progressively harder as time goes on. Eventually, you get these full-on mutants that just start coming in and will just wreck your base everything. So you have to not only survive, but decide where you want to hold up and how you want to do it. And the whole time, you're trying to find your son who's gone missing. You both crash on this plane. He's he's gone. You got to find him. Um, I haven't beat it. I actually stopped playing it because I want to experience this game co-op. So I'm actually holding off till I get a PS5 or a second PS4 so that way I can play with Ash, which may end up not happening because we have Sons of the Forest um, coming out next year as well. And that's the game that I think, um, I don't know if it's going to be on PlayStation Plus or not, but I think it'll be a blast for me, you, Mike, um, and Ash to go through um, just because we all enjoy those types of games. Yeah, how many players is it? Do you know? Uh, you can do four. Okay. Yeah, because I saw that trailer for Sons of the Forest, and it looked really cool. Like, there was some creepy-ass shit going on. Almost like some of those mutants were almost looking like some Dark Souls-type creatures. (laughs) Um, I have a friend, Doug, who might listen to this podcast, I'm not sure, but he is super into the forest, and I've seen him post videos of it and stuff, and he has, like, entire forts built and like zip lines and shit going because there is crafting in the game. And I, yeah, I don't play a lot of survival games, not because I don't like them, but I just usually don't get to them. I think the last one I played like this was seven days to die. I don't know if you played that. I have, but I agree with you. I think this is a type of game that would be really fun with four players. Yeah. So Jacques, it is off to you for your surprise mechanic, sir. Okay, cool. By the way, I just want to say that I came up with Indies Indies. Yes, full credit to Jacques for the name. Because um, we were joking with different segments that some of us can do. 
And I had an idea for us to kind of just do a segment about Indies games. And then Jacques uh, just kind of whipped that piece of gold out of thin air. And uh, we trademarked it, everything. It now belongs to us. That didn't actually happen. But um, yes, full credit to Jacques. Yeah, don't tell them that because then they'll try to steal it. (laughs) Right. Well, I'm telling them that. So if they try, they'll just figure out that we're official. And then maybe we'll sound more uh, credited. Okay, that's fair. Fact check me if you dare. (laughs) All right, so yeah, my surprise mechanic is... So you were speaking about how you and Ash have gotten into D&D over the last year. So I was thinking to myself, I'm going to ask you... Let's play a little game. I'm going to say we're creating a and d party, but it's going to be with video game characters. And I'm going to say this party will consist of four characters. Each one will have a different class, and you can pick whatever class you want to have in your party for each one. And then you get to pick what video game character you think would fit that class best. I love this. So, and take all the time you need, because we're already way over, so... Okay, so are they setting out to do something in particular, or just like my ideal, um, expendable style video game party? Yeah, you're just going all out. This is the ultimate four-person D&D party. Oh, shit. Okay, um, well, one already comes to mind. Um, Ezio Auditori from Assassin's Creed is definitely the rogue. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a great choice. Hands down. That's just the first one that comes to mind. Now you've got me looking at my office like, okay, where can I draw inspiration? Because I've got collectibles everywhere. Sci-fi included, or are we mainly leaning on fantasy? I mean, it doesn't have to be fantasy. It can be literally any video game character. It could You could include, like, Sonic if, or Mega Man if you wanted. Okay. Um. So for our big, bulky barbarian... Um, Kratos, definitely. Yes, yes, that's what I was thinking. They need a healer. Let's see, who would be a good healer from a video game? I mean, I'm, can I throw out one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, Mercy from Overwatch? Yes, okay, good fit, good fit. Alright, so we've got a rogue, we got a barbarian, we got a healer, now it needs a sorcerer. Um, so who's going to be our wizard? And I'm drawing a blank on video game wizards. I, You know what? I am too. It doesn't have to be a, a mage. Or... You're right. You're right. How about like a ranger or something? Because I was thinking maybe Aloy with the bow and arrow. That's a good one. Because um... I can't really think of any mages. I don't know why. I guess I don't play many magic-based games. I mean, I played as a mage in Dragon Age Inquisition, but that doesn't count. You know what would be funny? That's like a completely just like unexpected choice for a mage, not a traditional mage. And she would be very dynamic too, but Jesse from Control? Actually, you know, that's not a bad fit at all. Because she has, like, telekinesis, she can launch objects, she can turn this gun into any gun she wants to, she can fly. On that note, um, and this is my apology for Mike, um, our mage-style character will be Liara. Oh, you know what? That is a better choice. Yep. (laughs) 
Because, like, basically, the biotics are like space mages. So, our party is Ezio, Kratos, Mercy, and uh, Liara. Yeah, I like that. That's a pretty sweet party, to be honest. I would love to see those characters try and interact with each other. Well, all right. Um, I think we brought it to an end just over two and a half hours. Again, sorry, Mike. Yeah, this is probably going to be our longest episode ever. <laughs> We're going to call it a night, guys. Y'all have a good night, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, I'm Indy. I'm Jacques. And we will catch you guys later. Later.